0: I'll see you on the dark side of the moon I'll see you on the dark side of the moon I'll see you on the dark side of the moon I'll see you on the dark side of the moon
1: All right, welcome to episode 141 of Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone. And we are going to be discussing two of my favorite bands today. With first off, with the official historian and translator of Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone, everybody's favorite co host here, Kirsty in Perth. How are you, Kirsty?
2: I'm good, thank you. I'm not my favorite co host.
1: Well,. That would be conceited if you were, but I could understand it. That's okay. And next up, not only do I have the best looking, but I also have the smartest co-host from Asylum, Tales from the Devereaux Diaries. I shouldn't call him a co-host, just call him a host. I have Gary on the line with me. Gary, how are you, sir?
3: Oh, I'm doing just wonderful. I I love the intro there. Um, You definitely um, earned your dollar. I'll I'll be faxing
1: that over later. (laughs) Faxing it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, thank you for being here, Gary. It's good to have you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I mean, you know, when it it was, I I tried to get Gary the last time, but all they had was Ray. So, you know, sometimes you just got to take the scraps that they throw you. So that's just what I did. So.
3: Everybody needs a roadie sometimes. <laughs>
1: that's right. That's right. Well, this week, what we're going to be talking about is uh, something that we'll get into. We'll, we'll definitely explain a little more later, but it's going to be the dark side, not the dark side of the moon, but the dark side of Iron Maiden and Kiss, which is a very interesting uh, discussion we're going to have here. But the first thing we do here, as always, we talk about the music that we've listened to in the past week and ladies first, Kirsty, what have you been listening to in this past week?
2: Well, I always like to throw you off with them. Um, something that's not really relevant, but the uh, queen had their Jubilee 70 years. Okay. And I really enjoyed the performance of queen with Adam Lambert. So I've been oh, watching okay. that on YouTube. Okay. Um, okay. So we'll get back on track. Now I listened <laughs> to Alice in Chains dirt. Oh Yeah. Which, um, it's, it's, you know, it's probably because we've been discussing, talking about the dark side of things. Sure. And Pearl Jam, Live on Two Legs, which is um, various shows from
1: 1998.
2: Okay. And then I listen to Muse. Do you know Muse over there? Uh, yeah. They're an English band.
1: I've heard of them. But yeah. I just don't know. The
2: album's much. called Black Holes and Revelations. And that's the name of one of their songs as well.
0: Okay. Supermassive like Black a Hole. Yeah, sort of that's big the one. Yes, I, yeah. uh, okay.
3: I, I personally enjoyed that one. I, I don't know a lot about their catalog, but uh, I know they've got a lot of really good groove with their stuff. Uh, really uh, heavy sort of, I hate to say new wave, but. Um, it's
2: a mix of, yeah, electronic rock and
3: classical
0: yeah.
2: and rock. Yeah. Interesting. Um, they um, I never got to see them, but they played when I had a baby and a two-year-old. Really <laughs> close to my house. So I got to sit in the garden and listen to them.
1: There you go. Nice. So,
2: <laughs> and I've listened to Silver Chair, Frog Stomp. That's an Australian Ooh, yeah. band.
1: I remember you that. I remember
2: them too. Yeah.
1: I liked those really first two. When
2: they wrote that. I
1: know.
2: And, um, and Wolfsbane. Uh oh. They're back. They've got, no, they've got a new album out. Wolfsbane That's right.
1: Great. I did hear yeah. about
2: that. So I've listened to that three times this week. I'll be buying that one. That's um, It's really good. I think this sort of music suits Blaze Bailey's voice more than when he's an Iron Maiden or even solo, but that's just my opinion.
1: Is it similar to um, is the old stuff too? Like, is it more like?
2: Yeah, it's, it's quite upbeat, maybe even a little bit punky. Okay. Um, because I was listening to that um, on streaming, Yeah. a band called Cloven Hoof came up and the song was called Call of the Dark Ones. Okay. I never heard of them before even though they've been going since about the seventies, I've read. <laughs> so I listened to their self-titled album, which I really enjoyed. So I'll be listening to more of them. Okay. And uh, apart from Kiss and Iron Maiden, that's me for the week.
1: Okie dokie, okie dokie. Well then, uh, Gary, what music have you been listening to?
3: Well, um, I, uh, took a dive into something that, um, uh, a lot of people might not be familiar with, uh, on this podcast, uh, <laughs> Dick Dale, um, he is, uh, the king of the surfer guitar. Um, I, am a big guitar nut. Uh, I love guitar playing of, of all shapes and sizes. Um, okay. And, um, Dick Dale, um, if you listen to some of the, uh, playing, he inspired a lot of your speed metal and thrash because hmm. this, sort of rockabilly, um, punk surfer guitar. It's super, super fast. And, um, I I found it fascinating because it's got, even though it was this sort of happy, um, kind of music, it had a little bit of a dark kind of sound to it. So I was searching around on YouTube and I found that, um, he's actually of Lebanese descent and his father played some kind of a, A Lebanese instrument. Uh, I am struggling for the name of it, um, but it was sort of like a lute and it would play, you had to play it really fast, like a mandolin, all of the strokes. Mm -hmm. So he translated this into guitar when he landed in california in the 60s and uh, you know or 50s whatever it was and um, you know the rest is history uh, mm-hmm. i i just found it fascinating because you've got these thrash metal guys that would refer to dick dale and i remember my dad playing these records and I'm like really you know you've you've <laughs> got thrash metal guys
1: talking about this guy but right. you know, it's kind of interesting sure sure did he he's not the one who did uh, wipeout is he
3: um i
1: don't think he did wipe
3: out um i did hear him do a cover of uh pipeline um uh, just not too long ago and um let's see what was his big hit um does he does he have something on um, i'm trying to like is he on the pulp fiction
1: soundtrack or something
3: um yeah yeah you'll hear him on a lot of that if you look up um i i think it's pronounced uh misery lou um Okay. uh, or Mr. Lou. Um, that's the one he's most known for. You've definitely heard it in soundtracks and okay. uh, commercials. It's, uh, it's iconic. And, um, yeah, if you do the, a uh, little bit of a deep dive on that, the melody line from that travel tracks all the way back to, um, traditional Lebanese folk music. It's a, a traditional, um, sort of melody
1: that people would sing. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. An- anything else?
3: Um, no, that's probably about it. Um, you know, I, I've been, uh, struggling on my podcasts, uh, lately, uh, one that, uh, um, no, 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 I, no, no, no,
1: We're not, we're not on podcasts yet. You're jumping ahead. You're <laughs> oh. jumping ahead.
3: Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Kirst- uh, music wise. No.
1: <laughs> Kirsty, Where's if Matt was here, he'd be reprimanding him, but you're nice about oh, it. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Matt, so Matt,
2: Matt would probably start talking about the podcasts also.
1: That's true. That's true. He's, he's a little out there in left field sometimes, so. But he should be he should, you know, Gary we can understand because you know he's he's just new here and you know Matt he's Matt kinda has his whole please be gentle. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> uh, you
2: should have prepped Gary better.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know, you know. I'll blame myself. They say they say all the stuff, you know, if it, it comes from the leadership down. And I mean I just if you're if your people aren't doing good, then obviously you're not doing good. And not that he's not doing good, but no. if there's a mistake here, I'll just have to, you know, I'll take the fall. That's okay. So <laughs> For me, I think my listening has been a little more traditional. Well, my my listening's always pretty traditional in a certain field. (laughs) So I've listened to four bands this week, and they're all four of my favorite bands. So one of them is one of my new favorite bands, which I'm sure Kirsty is familiar with. But uh, one of the albums I listened to this week that had an anniversary was uh, by the band Wasp. It's called Dying for the World. It was a pretty angry album that... uh, I really think of Wasp as Blackie Lawless, kind of, you know, but it's it's an album he put out not too long after uh, the September 11 uh, terrorist things we had here in the United States, and it's got some, uh, definitely some pretty aggressive and angry lyrics toward a lot of that, but it's an album I love. It came out 2002, and I've been a Wasp fan since, gosh, right around the time Ever. I got it. Yeah, since, since probably... Uh, before Asylum by Kiss came out, you know, so in 85, you know, 84. So I was with them pretty early and I've just always loved them. And to hear when I, I didn't hear this album until probably 10 years ago. So it had been out for 10 years and I was thinking, wow, I can't believe they put out something that good yeah, at this point already, you know, and uh, you know, this point in their career. So it was really cool. Um, But I listened to that, had an anniversary, Uh, another band I listened to uh, that's, I've just been on an insane kick with and uh, catapulting into my favorite bands of all time is, uh, what Kirstie would f- refer to as. Akadaka. Akadaka AC/DC. Yes. Mm, um, I love some ACDC, man. I'll tell you what, I've, I've been just going nuts on them. And, um,
3: I thought I was, they looking- make fun of me on my podcast, uh, for oh. loving AC/DC so much. Oh um, man.
2: Well, but surely everybody does.
3: Yeah, yeah. They don't seem to understand the appeal of just wanting really good rock. Um, Yeah, they want to beat up on them for you know doing the same thing over and over again. And um, you know, it's if it feels good and you enjoy it, um, I I say go for it. Um, It's one of those kind of bands that just feels like comfort food. You know, you you just love it always.
2: I'm telling Steve, they're on um, National Treasures, and they're on the radio every five minutes. And as a result, I don't <laughs> I would imagine. their albums. Yeah. Sure,
1: sure. I, I'm reading a book about them right now. And, you know, you always hear that kind of thing that people say, like what you mentioned about, well, everything sounds the same. And And the guy was talking about, you know, they basically write all their songs with the same three or four chords or so. And maybe with a little change here or there. But he said it says a whole lot more about them that like take any band that that we like, whether it's kiss or an Alice Cooper or even an iron maiden. And they, they tend to grow and grow and grow and go into different places. Or maybe Metallica is a good example, you know, where they started to where they went. They just, they, they grew and they matured. And it's like ACDC put themselves in this little box and said, we're going to function in this box. And they've done it for 40, 50 years now. And it says, he said, it says a lot about them that they've done yeah. so much in a way with so little it, it there it shows how much creativity is really there. And it it's the guy said it much better in the book than I can say it right now, but it, it really made me think about it differently when I was reading that. But even like, like Kirstie said, they're on the radio, they're on the radio all the time here. I was in the car earlier with my wife and I didn't have my phone with me, so I couldn't stream anything. So I just said, eh, I don't really want to listen. Ah, eh, let me turn on classic radio or whatever. Classic rock radio. And I had it turned down almost all the way where I couldn't even hear it. And I looked and all I saw was ACDC come across the top, turned it up and it was Thunderstruck. I was just like, that's cool. My daughter likes Thunderstruck. And then today she tells me, she goes, oh, there's another ACDC song I like. It's called Back in Black. I was just like, oh my gosh. You know, I've never played it. I've never, well, she knows. uh, I've never heard
3: that song. I know.
1: It's, 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 (laughs) I said, yeah, no one. I said, that's a very, not very well known album, Sarah. I can't believe you knew that one. I mean, she knows a little bit and you know, i played her, she's got the Jack. And that's one we have fun with, when we talk about cards and anytime we play cards, if I had a, if Sarah had a Jack, I'd always start singing. She's got the Jack, Jack. <laughs> so she kind of gets a laugh out of that. But so the albums I did listen to this week uh, by ACDC, I, I thought I listened to yes. all of the razor's edge, but I guess I got halfway through and had to stop for some reason. So I got half of the razor's edge in, um, I listened to all of let there be rock multiple times. That's an incredible album. Um, I listened to flick of the switch a few times and I listened to power up the newest album, which I mean, obviously it's, it's been out for a couple of years. I had never heard it until just a week or two ago. And I mean, I was blown away at how really good it is. And you think this is a band again with that same three or four chord structure and all these different ways of that they figured out how to do it. And even on this one, that sounds like there's new things going on that I've never heard by them. And it's fantastic album. I've had a few people say, I'm going to definitely check it out. Cause I, everyone I talk to, I keep talking about it. So, uh, and then I'm
3: my fingers for one more tour. I, oh I man. Love. The opportunity. Me I had too. tickets for the last one. Um, when Brian had to, um, take a break mm. for the, um, a hearing yeah. and it was going to be one of my my daughter's first what i would call rock and roll show sure um and uh she had been to you know um boy band shows and things like that when she was <laughs> younger and um but this was going to be the first one and i was like oh my god and it's going to be acdc you're just going to be blown away yeah and then it didn't happen hmm. um you know, we we could have went with the axle, um, and we we opted not to. Um, oh, uh, really? Yeah, yeah. I, I mm. returned the tickets. Mm. Um, I, That's
2: I've, understandable. Mm. You didn't know it was going to turn out to go okay. <laughs>
3: True. I, I really, you know, um, Axel doesn't have a great track record, you know, yeah. uh, until now, uh, you mm. know, he seems to, seems to be responsible. Yeah. But, yeah I saw Guns um,
2: N' Roses a few years back and they turned up on time and did an absolutely brilliant concert. And I, I was pretty impressed
3: huh. with yeah, the professionalism. It, in, high, in hindsight, yeah. I, I kicked myself, but you know, at the sure. time I, I didn't trust Axel to front mm. that band. Hmm. And, um, you know, I, my man, my daughter. She was like, "Well, heck, I, I don't care." She, you know, she. Yeah. Uh, it was funny when she was maybe two years old or something like that. She got stuck on "Dirty Deeds" and she could <laughs> sing every every word of that song. So I was like, "You remember that band?" I was like, "Let's go see them." I, I knew they were coming to town. And yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, she was pretty pumped to go see that for that song. That's cool, man. That's really cool. I, to me, that would have been if you really think about it, like when I think about it, ACDC seems like one of the only bands that 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 could kind of hover over Axl Rose to where he would be like, okay, I got to be on my best behavior. I've got to do this the right, right way. You know, and that's, it almost, oh, yeah, that's... It's man. one thing to
3: screw up and, uh, you know, that's stick true. it to your band, but
1: yes. not, not ACDC. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And I'm sure that they had it. I'm sure that he came in probably very respectful and, and, and they, and you know, and I think he has a lot of respect for those guys. I mean, I know they used to cover ACDC back in the day yeah. as well, but oh, and
3: he had the voice for it, you know, yeah. I mean, it, it, a good axle was a really smart choice for them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think Matt said that they saw the very last Brian Johnson show that, and I think it was in Kansas city at, at least up until uh. this point. So he said right after that, it was all kind of, you know, whatever else happened there. So uh, and I, like uh, Kirsty. Um, have listened to Iron Maiden and Kiss as well. But just for the sake of uh, interest, I'll, I'll leave it. I'll leave those out uh, in the open right now just for people to wonder for a few more minutes here. Uh, and real quick, we'll yeah, get and
3: it. I made it sound like I didn't listen to anything other than Dick Dale. Um, so just for <laughs> clarification, I did listen to some Iron Maiden and some Kiss.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. I,
3: I feel like those are kind of givens. And um, sure, I, you know, it's funny uh, we got into an argument on our um, uh, podcast chat, um, uh, the four of us, uh, you know, hosts, because uh, Ray does not like Def Leppard. I don't know how that band stands here. Um, This makes sense. I'm a huge fan. Go ahead. This
1: makes sense. I'll explain in a second.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I am a huge fan of death leopard. So I did um, uh, like binge on them for the last few days, uh, early death leopard. Um, Those first probably uh, all the way through hysteria, I think are just perfect records. Uh, The evolution of the sound is uh, amazing. After that, I think Steve Clark was the heart of the band. And when he died, um, it, it just, it, it never, it never came back. They never sure. recovered.
1: Sure. Yeah. I'm in a group text with Ray and one other guy. And, um, the other day we just got this random message from him that just said, please tell me that you guys hate hysteria by Def Leppard. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the other guy oh, came, the other guy I came.
2: tell him that I
1: do. <laughs> yeah. You hate oh. Def Leppard?
2: I don't hate, they're too poppy. Um,
0: okay, that's me. cool.
1: But l- listen to this. So he says that to us and the other guy comes back and says, hysteria is my favorite album by them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. So I came back and I just, I've never been a huge Def Leppard fan. I remember being uh, gosh, a, a kid and there was a local rock station. And I remember they used to always play. And, and if you like old Def Leppard, you'll know the song. It was, I think it was called let it go from one of their, Oh
0: yeah.
1: And I, they used to play that, you know, let it rock, let it roll. let it. And I used to, on the radio all the time. And I used to think that was such a cool song. And of course, like some of the stuff, you know, bringing on the heartache and you know, pyromania and you know, those, those songs that were the big ones, but I just never really got into them too much. But I thought hysteria, I said, I think hysteria, it's not a my favorite, but it's a decent, I mean, it's an album that I, I think has some good songs on it. So, but
3: they took a twist, and Kirsty, you pointed it out, they're too poppy. Um, and and I get that, I don't, you know. I I don't judge them. I still liked it, uh, you know, the hysteria. um, I thought it was a good record, but um, you know, the early stuff, they were getting lumped into that new wave of British heavy Mm -hmm. metal. And, you know, fair enough. If you listen to those first two records, the dueling guitars they had on there, they could hold their own right up there with KK Downing and Glenn Tipton. You know, uh, I, I, I thought they were amazing, but Mutt Lang he he made every one of them millions of, uh, upon millions of dollars. Sure, once sure. He, uh, they got a couple um, sugary sweet songs, um, all puns intended. Um, <laughs> he, he saw he saw that you know he could do it, and I mean, gosh, the stuff that they're putting out now is practically just uh, pop country. Uh, mm, I can stand mm, it. Yeah, Mutt Lang's Having be-
2: said that, I was offered free tickets a few years ago. Um, but it fell through, but I would have gone. Sure.
3: They are a good band. Um, now I, I think Joe's voice is totally blown out at this point, but, um, I saw them, you know, back years ago, um, even, uh, Vivian had joined the band by the end. Steve had died. Uh, they were on Adrenalize and, um, it, they were one of the best sounding bands you could ever ask for mm-hmm. they 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 sounded just impeccably good and i had great seats for it so i was you know amazed by uh you know getting to see vivian campbell and you know, phil uh, up so close and you know just here's here's two of my guitar heroes from you know childhood um because you know vivian campbell my god you know uh, the dudes played on some magnificent records here it comes uh, Kirsty
1: you know all the way <laughs> i'm getting ready for it <laughs> oh no
3: did I, did I hit a nerve
1: no no i just when i just know who vivian campbell played for in the 80s and oh, yeah. one of them is not a favorite of mine so oh uh, well it,
3: white snake um you know you may hate him
1: but oh i like i that do is, like white snake. No, that, that was a good sidestep very good white snake. yeah white snake. Oh, he okay, was great okay, in white okay. snake yes absolutely <laughs> uh, I had the pleasure of
3: seeing him on that tour and uh, Vivian is one of the, you know, he's one of the greats Um just a- every
1: band he's been in. I-, I love. Okay. Okay. I might, I might, um, might get, uh, <laughs> Gary to hang up a little early in a little while. Okay. <laughs> so I won't say anything else, but, uh, so, okay. Let me go into my podcast real quick here. Um, since we got sidetracked with, uh, roadie Ray. So, and, uh, you know, talking about his one of his favorites, apparently, Def Leppard. So, uh, okay. So I listened to four pod – I listened to my podcast, as always, and because uh, I always critique it just to make sure I did all the editing correctly. And I found out once again. And as Kirsty let me know, at the exact same mark, I completely missed on some editing, completely left something in that I had no intention of leaving in. I just forgot about it. But um, other than my own, I listened to a, a one called the Decibel Geek podcast, and it was called uh, a, it was called Torpedo Dudes for All, and they did something called a Creatures Fest review, which was a recent big Kiss festival that had Ace Fraley, Peter Chris, uh, Bruce Kulick, and Vinny Vincent all at the same thing, and they had other you know bands that played as well, and it was very interesting. Listen, uh, one of their hosts was at the shows and explained about it all, and it was really cool. Uh, another one. These are all kiss related, actually. Uh, the, the next one was called Podcast Rock City, which has one of my favorite people, uh, Joey Casada, on it, uh, and it was called the PRC Creatures Fest Review. And both of these were really long episodes. Uh, and I will say, the torpedo dude, uh, maybe not as long as mine. I don't know. I don't. I don't know how long the Podcast Rock City was because I was driving the whole time, but.
2: I was just wondering
1: if it went three and a half hours. No, no, not as long as, not as long as my longest one ever, but, uh, on the decibel geek one though, the torpedo dudes is their Patreon podcast and they put it out as a regular one, I guess for people to kind of, you know, here's our kiss podcast that we do only on our Patreon, which I thought was kind of a cool, kind of a cool idea actually. Um, and let's see, the the other one I listened to, I think Gary might be familiar with this one. It's called Asylum, Tales from the Devereaux Diaries, and it was called that it was called Opening Act, Scorpions, Love at First Sing. Let me ask you real quick, Kirsty, before I say what I thought. How do you feel about the Scorpions?
2: I like the Scorpions, and I also listened to that episode.
1: Okay, okay, okay. Okay, well then I'll then I'll tell I'll say what I think then. I didn't know if you would have heard that one or not. So and I think, I don't know if, if any of you guys actually said this on there, Gary, but that's the first time in my life <laughs> that I ever, now I've heard almost all of those songs before, but there was like two songs or three songs that I had never heard before. And I, that's the i I've never listened to that album. I liked the Scorpions. I think almost all of you had the same sentiment. I liked the Scorpions. I think they have a ton of great songs. I'm hoping to go see them in Dallas here because they're, they're one of those bands that I don't make bucket list bands, but like them and ACDC are both bands I would like to see if I get a chance, because I think they just put on a good show and they've got so many great songs. But I really I think that was a great album. Uh, I enjoyed the uh, the 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 uh, just the banter that you guys had about it. I there was a few points that pe- that people made that I wanted to address, but I listened to it a week ago and I, you know, I listened to it and I can't remember everything that there was something that came up on your, what y'all had listened to. And I can't remember what it was. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, I've got to say something to Gary, but, uh, I, but, was but it I
2: something Gary had listened to
1: no, I don't, I don't even remember. I don't even, <clears throat> I don't remember. It was just a, some. someone had said something and someone was like, Oh my gosh, I think that's terrible. Or, Oh my gosh, I, I can't believe this. and It was just something that I just thought, wow, I can't believe that. But, um, Maybe it was one. Yeah, of the... I think
3: all of us on the uh, podcast had a a general feeling with the Scorpions. They're they're a great band. Yeah, um, they weren't one of those bands, at least for us, that we um, really got into. Yeah. Uh, we always enjoyed them, and mm-hmm. especially the hits. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, other than I had love at first sting. Um, it was one of my first guitar. Um, uh, songs uh, i learned how to play rocky like a hurricane sure and uh you know as a little kid uh, 13 years old i think i was and uh, got my first guitar and was learning how to play along with those songs on there like i could actually play everything that rudolph schenker was uh you know jamming out Cool, um, less uh, trying to play uh, matthias jabs uh kind of stuff yeah but you know i liked um the band but when I started listening to older Scorpions, that was a different band. <laughs> yeah,
0: you know they yeah. really
3: were that early. Uh, the early '70s stuff that they were doing was um, uh, it was very out there, very proggy. Um,
1: yeah. It's it's like hearing current Judas Priest and going back and hearing their first album
3: oh gosh yeah I remember yeah. thinking um <laughs> right along the time that I first discovered uh priest what was it I think it was point of entry or uh, yeah. something like that and um it's like okay I gotta hear everything they've ever recorded and yeah. I went back and heard some really early stuff yeah I, I can't even remember what record it was and it was just sounded like an old blues band
1: um you yeah. know that was speeding up a little bit here and there yeah probably rock roll. that album is that, yeah
3: that's the one yeah that's absolutely. rough it's Rock-a-Rola. it's a
1: rough listen if you're especially yeah. It reminds me of I got into Kiss in the mid '80s. With I mean, the first four or five albums I had were Asylum, Animalize, Lick It Up, Creatures. Oh,
3: so you had the shredder guitar?
1: Yeah, and then and then the I went back. Guitar. And then I was like, oh, I saw an advertisement for Asylum in the uh, magazines, and I was like, oh, I got to go get back to their back catalog now. Then I go back to uh, I go back to uh, I got to start at the beginning, and I go imagine hearing those four albums together and going back and and then you hear <laughs> the first kiss album i was like what what is this i can tell it's paul yeah. Stanley a little bit but you know but um yeah it does have a different sound that they have eras um that they went through yeah but i i did one thing i thought was kind of cool that y'all talked about though was the difference in their guitar soloing cuz uh, i guess um uh, Ru- uh Rudolph doesn't do a whole lot of soloing and anytime that his solos were going and y'all pointed it out like one of you would point it out and i thought I really liked the way his soloing sounded. It was a little different than Matthias is kind of the shredder, I guess. Yeah. Matthias is definitely the
3: the faster, flashier guitar uh, player. But um, Rudolph's stuff is always so soulful. Yeah. Um, His is um, not that Matthias is not a a good composition to his solos, but uh, I I think that Rudolph just really is on point. Yeah. Um, And I think they were a better band once Michael left and, went to yeah. do other things uh, sure, michael sure. schenker a great guitar player but they, i think uh the two brothers in the same band was probably
1: a volatile uh formula and, yeah uh, yeah you yeah. know that makes sense that makes sense so that but that's the podcast i listened to so kirsty what which ones did you listen to
2: yeah so obviously i said i, I listened to that same episode uh-huh. um because i knew i was going to be talking to gary and i wanted to know which one he was because they all sound a bit the same to me <laughs> at first yeah sure but i think i've figured out who everyone is now yeah um and it was really good i didn't want to listen to anything about kiss um yeah because i'm going to tell you my impressions of them yeah um, sure i listened to your podcast okay last week i really liked your joke do saw that made me <laughs> laugh if nobody else
1: <laughs> oh uh, you just gave away the punchline now i can't tell it's to gary hey gary what, are they, what do they call the shortest dinosaur? The sh-
3: shortest dinosaur. Oh, my gosh. I, I have
2: no that, that, idea. That's literally it, Gary.
1: Yeah, a D-O-saur. <laughs> oh, gosh.
3: <laughs> Don't okay. ask
2: me why I like it. I think I like the fact that he thought it was funny more than the actual joke.
1: <laughs> I just wanted to say it because um, someone had been ribbing me a lot about Dio, and I just decided – that I have a platform and I'm going to use it.
2: <laughs> and and talking about that person, and um, I went back. and I listened to Dean King's, Iron um, maiden story again.
1: Okay, okay.
2: Because I couldn't, I couldn't quite remember it, and it's because he's not really the same when he's talking as he is on Twitter, like yeah. most of us.
1: I know he's like the super nice guy. But on, like on... like
2: we're just like really rude to each other on Twitter, and then we have a conversation, and well, like, and he's like. Yeah, Seventh Son's not bad. <laughs>
1: but,
2: uh, so that was good. And Andrew was the co-host that day.
1: Yeah, I, I did check that out a little bit too.
2: Oh, you did? I didn't yeah. listen
1: to the whole thing, so I didn't want to say it. But I did go back to find I had to go find it, and I was listening to make sure it was his. And, and I noticed Andrew was on there with me. And I was like, wow, that's a double dip right there.
2: Mm. I listened to Ridiculous Rock Record Reviews,
1: uh-huh. Seventh
2: Son of a Seventh Son. Okay. which um, Matt said he'd listened to the week before. So I checked that out. They Don't All Love It, as Matt mentioned. It's mm-hmm. got your mate on it, Steve Wright.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. I didn't realize he was on that.
2: Yeah. So uh, if you if you want to hear people who don't all love it as much as we do talking about it, then yeah. give that one a go. And I listened to Wayne's Iron Maiden podcast, okay. Chains of Misery episode. So. Thank you Wayne for spending all that time listening to that rubbishy old record. Just so you can do an episode for us.
1: <laughs> <It's really good. laughs> I'm a little behind on Wayne right now, so I need to, I need, I'll do some catch. I'll do some catching up here pretty soon.
2: Uh, no worries. Um, yeah. That's me for podcasts for the week. All
1: right. Gary, what about you?
3: Um Well, I, uh, Kirstie, you mentioned the Ridiculous Rock uh, Records reviews. Um, I just discovered them recently. So um, that, um, I started an episode, I'm I'm only uh, part of the way into it, but uh, the Mother Love Bone episode. Mm. Um, don't know if y'all are familiar with that band, but.
2: Uh, yes, I'm going to check that one out. Oh, you don't gosh. really hear people talk about them very often
3: such a good band yeah such a I hope they're under... just say
2: really good things about it though
3: <laughs> yeah i think i think you'll enjoy um the episode good anything else uh no actually uh i'm a podcast light other than uh the uh usual suspects
1: sure 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 well that's cool that's cool well then the next thing we're going to do here is we're going to get into a little bit of audience participation and this is where people retweet or tweet quote the podcast. And I don't know if you know this, uh, Gary, but it's usually called quote tweets. But one Mm -hmm. time I said it wrong. I said tweet quotes and I accidentally corrected myself really quickly. But nothing gets by the official uh, historian here that with us on the line. And she decided the next week that her quote tweet was going to be a song I had to sing that inclu- <laughs> included, <laughs> 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 it included a lyric, quiet quote as a lyric, and, and I didn't even realize it until I was singing it, and I think I busted up laughing in the middle of it. But um, <laughs> well, so at I that point, we decided. It yeah,
2: sounds wrong to me when someone says quote tweet. Now I, think, I know oh, got
1: that. <laughs> I know. Well,
3: <laughs> the first time you said it. I didn't know if that's what I heard. And then yeah. the second time you said it, I thought, I wonder if he knows he's saying that wrong.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
3: I was going to be nice and not tell you about it. Yeah. i just going to make fun of you on my podcast.
1: You, you can do that. You can always do that. That's fine. Um, that's fine. Uh, I, you know, I just wanted to, um, cause once that happened, I just thought that's one of those funny little weird things that happens that I was like, once she put it in a song, I never would have said it again. But once she put it in there, I was just like, you know what? That's going to personalize it a little more, and I like that. I like the kind of.
3: I'll never be able to unhear it that way now. Um, <laughs> well, so, exactly. yeah, and it's
1: it's one of those words you have to say it carefully because you could kind of you could say something you know kind of rude if you don't say it carefully. So that's yeah, why I always sure. yeah, that's why sure. I always call it quet quotes. <laughs> you know, so um, so let's get. There's not a whole lot of retweets or quet quotes. So. The, the retweets this week are by His Royal Dudeness Dave in the USA, Thane of the Woods in Indiana, uh, in Indiana, USA, he has it, uh, Jesse the Delivery Guy in Illinois, Lord Andrew of Sussex, who is also George's dad, who is also Sonia's husband, who is also the headmaster, the Weekend Warrior himself, Andrew Whitnall, in or near Melbourne, Australia, and the Scouser David Laird in Liverpool, England. Now, The Queech quotes, I think there's about five or six of them here. The first one, and it's basically um, all of the same people that did uh, retweets, but um, well, there's a, there's a couple of additional ones here. We got Jesse, the delivery guy in Illinois. He said, and he, he had a picture of, for those about to rock by ACDC. And he said, had to pull this one out for a listen. After hearing the discussion of this album, title track is definitely a classic, but I think there are some great ones on here as well as well. I put the finger let's get it up. Evil walks. COD are great as well. Not their strongest, but still great. So then I told him I need to give that another listen. Um, well look here. The next one is from asylum tales from the Devereaux Diary, which, which, I guess would be Ray. Um, and his, he said another fun episode of uncle Steve's iron Maiden zone, despite the nearly 30 minutes of unprovoked <laughs> attacks by uncle Steve on Ronnie James Dio one of the greatest metal deosaurs of all time Sh- oh wait voices not deosaurs. shameful and hurtful yet for some reason entertaining must have been due to matt so you know come on i i like i always say i don't hate dio i don't think he had a bad voice at all i just it just doesn't do anything for me so I keep getting kind of. There are those voices uh, out there that you know just some people. Love yeah, them. I mean he and, he's and got a good voice. Huge. Yeah,
0: he's yeah. got a good voice.
1: I don't deny that, but it's 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 the whole package: the the voice, the music, the and and I know we talked about this a little earlier, Gary. The lyrics: a lot of the lyrics are dungeon and dragons and kind of all that uh, yeah, fantasy that part stuff, was and
3: definitely overdone.
1: Yeah. And that's just a, that's just kind of a turnoff for me. I can maybe do a song of it, but not just, and people say, oh, that's not all it is, but I'm just like, yeah, but it just, even as a 13 or that was my, one of my Columbia house cassettes that I got back in like 84 and it didn't do anything for me back then. And that's when I was,
3: was that,
1: that heaven and hell, or uh, no? It was uh, it, it was last in line. It was last in oh, line. Oh, last in line. Okay. Yeah, and, and you know when you're 13 or 14, that's the age where when you hear something, you know immediately if it if it if it works with for you or not. And it just never did. Yeah. And and I tried. I've I've tried since then. I just like I said, I don't hate the guy, but it just even his Black Sabbath stuff. And I know people love heaven and hell and mob rules, but even the Black Sabbath stuff doesn't really work for me. So, but that's okay. That's okay. I don't want to bog down on um. I don't want to bog down on such a small.
3: Don't want to beat up on uh, Zadío twice and, uh,
1: Yeah, you know, it. <clears throat> it's it's such a small, short sighted topic for me to talk about. <laughs> What's one small step for you? To, you know, one also
4: mean. One
1: small lead singer for me. You know, he's not very high on he's the charts here. <laughs> <laughs> he's taller than me. Who is? Dio. Oh really? How tall are you, Kirsty? We never figured this out. How tall are you?
2: Five two.
1: Okay, that's okay. But you're not.
2: Yeah, I know it's okay. But you're <laughs> perfectly fine. You're much higher in
1: my eyes than Dio is. So.
2: Well, that's a massive compliment, actually, isn't yeah,
1: it? Yeah, I know. I don't mean it to sound that way. So. <laughs> I know because I I have Dio on such a. Let me stop. I'm going to stop trying to to to. Uh... Just, so let's
3: be fair. You have to put him on a pedestal
1: just to look <laughs> him in the eye. Okay? Yes. <laughs> oh man, that was, that was awesome. That was
3: wrong. Rest his soul. I love the man. But, I mean, come on. I was
1: the <laughs> pedestal. I was thinking phone books. I don't know. <laughs> okay. The next one, let's get to the next one here, Elsa. I'm going to probably lose some, yeah, let's say we've already <laughs> lost those people, right? Okay. So, his royal dudeness, Dave in the USA, also Queet quoted, and he said, this was his, uh, based on the episode last week, he said this were, This these were his, I guess, predictions. He said, Maiden, future tours slash albums. In my opinion, fact that they went right back to finishing the Legacy Tour after a long break and releasing Senjutsu, they've decided as a band that time is not an issue. Those are the capitalized words, time. No band member has hinted at retirement, or have they, Kirstie? Uh Probably not. <laughs> and then he wrote, this is what he wrote. S- like, this is what he expects. Senjutsu tour, new album eventually. So he expects it all. So, you know, hopefully we get that. I just don't know that I have see mine, that. What? Uh I just think, you know, Nico I think
2: se- it's nice to stay positive and optimistic. Sure, and-
1: sure. That's true. Like Jesse. Yeah. Jesse always stays positive. Yeah. Okay. If they can still put out good music
3: and keep things fresh, I think they need to keep going. Oh,
1: sure. Sure. Yeah. As long as they want to do it and it, and it's good stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, now there are other bands out there that you know, we'll get to the, we'll get to get get one to the, of them in the, a minute, but
3: it's time to stop. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they may have reached the end of the road.
1: <laughs> I think they reached the end of the road quite a while back. They just had, they just, they took a detour and went around it. <laughs> <laughs> they went They went down the hill and through the valleys. It's called and, a
3: COVID break.
1: Okay. <laughs> exactly. Okay. 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 Next up was um, a, a very short one, but um, it was from someone with a very long title. The Honorable Counselor, Sir Richard Holmes of the Ulster Unionist Party in Garvaugh, Northern Ireland. And I don't know if you know this, Gary, but he is the only official politician of Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone. There's a Interesting. lot of, yeah. There's a lot of imitators, but he's the one true official politician. And he and said, "Is this an
3: appointed position or it um, is? It is, is an is. elected."
1: He actually is an elected official in uh, Garvagh, Northern Ireland, but he's an appointed official here on my podcast. <laughs> I, Fantastic. And I think he said that that title was just as prestigious to him as uh, being a, an elected official. So something like that. So. <laughs> But his was uh, very short. He said, very entertaining, listening as ever. And then he said, Y N W A and Kirsty. What does that say?
2: But you'll never walk alone.
1: You'll never walk alone. And I've learned a lot about that in the past uh, week. So and did you know the song already? I did not. I did not. He he shared it on um the Twitter. He showed me a video, I guess, of the stadium. Singing, you'll never walk alone after a game or something. And it was really cool. I really enjoyed it. It, it was like watching an ACDC concert in a way because all the fans were going nuts, you know, like uh, over in uh, South America or something. So, and the last one we got here, oddly enough, is a podcast that both of you mentioned listening to a bit was the uh, the R4 podcast, which is Ridiculous Rock Record Review. And they are in Massachusetts, USA. He said, thanks to Uncle Steve for mentioning us again. Oh, boy. Greatly appreciated. Now, we might have words about Dio and for those about to rock. All I can say is if we have words about Dio, it's going to be a very small, short conversation. Is that accurate? I doubt
3: that very much. <laughs> <laughs> Two-letter words.
1: Yeah, yeah. No four-letter
3: words, a short just two letters.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, there's no short conversations when I'm involved. We all know that. So, um, and so that's all of us on our podcast as well. So now we will get to the topic at hand, which we have dubbed the dark side of Iron Maiden and Kiss or the dark side of Kiss and Iron Maiden. And so so this is how we all got on this. Um, I was on, or someone who sounded like me was on this podcast called the asylum tales from the Devereaux diary podcast. And all in that, because, because I, because there's an iron maiden podcast here that, that I'm on, we discussed everyone's fandom of iron maiden kind of came up. And, uh, later on, we, we were in a little uh, group chat, I believe. And I was going back and forth with Gary uh, with Gary here and I think I've told Kirsty about this. I, actually, I know I have, but, um, we were chatting back and forth and he was kind of like, well, if you were going to recommend somewhere to really go with Iron Maiden, you know, where would you recommend someone to kind of start, like to really dig in? And I'm just like, oh wow. I mean, I've never really even thought about it. Cause everyone I talked to is already pretty deep in it. And I started thinking, and I recommended, uh, like Brave New World. I said, Brave New World, Number of the Beast, uh, Power Slave. And, um, because he asked, and then he said, "Well, what's your favorite album?" And I said, "My favorite album is A Matter of Life and Death." And I said, "But I wouldn't start there because it's a really dark album. It's 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 different for them." And he's like, "Okay, okay." So the next day <laughs> and he knows <laughs> you probably remember this now, right? So yeah. the next day I, I get a message from, I think it was the next day, maybe the same day. Yeah. And I get a message from it's Gary okay. and he's just like, Hey, here's, here's some, I'm going to, you're going to learn something about me today, Steve. And I was like, Oh yeah, what's that? And he goes, you can't tell me what to do. He goes, I, I listened to a matter of life and death first. And I was like, Oh wow. I think that was on a Sunday night because we were recording that night and you sent me that message. And I said, yeah, I uh, that's right. and I said, uh, Well, I said, well, what do you think? And you, you know, you wrote me some things. I won't say what you wrote me yet, but it it was favorable. And I was like, I was reading that to Matt and Kirstie and I was just like, check this out. Listen to this. This is really, this is really, I thought it was pretty cool. And, and then likewise, because, because obviously you're on a kiss podcast, Gary, we know you're a lifelong kiss fan and we're going to let you explain that here in a sec, but something also happened with Kirstie that was very similar to this, that gave me the idea for us to get together. Kirsty had gotten me onto this game uh, called uh, what was it called Hurdle, Hurdle, yeah. And, and it was a, it was a Kiss version of this game called Hurdle where you play, it plays you one second of a song and you have to guess that song within for one second. If oh, you don't, I like that. Like, yeah, I and it, that tune. From oh, when
2: it's, I was a it's kid. crashed now though. It's not working anymore.
1: Yeah, oh, no. it's well. The last four times I've done it, it's a Japanese artist. <laughs> it's, it says Kiss Hurdle. <laughs> But it's a Japanese artist. We'll keep an artist.
2: eye out. If it comes back on track, we'll let you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sounds fun. So, but Kirstie had told me about it. I can't remember what she said something about it. And then I did it and she asked me about a certain song. And so I played it and it was something from Carnival. So I was like, do you remember what song it was, Kirstie? Was it Sedu- Seduction of the Innocent? Seduction Innocence. of the Innocent. Okay. That's what I was thinking. And I guessed it and I told her, I said, yeah, that's from, you know, this. I explained that that album was the album they were recording before they went into the uh becoming a nostalgia act for the rest of their lives and i said mm-hmm. it was a cool direction they were heading in and blah 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 and i said it's a dark i said it's probably the darkest album they ever recorded and and she goes that will probably be my favorite album then and i was like <laughs> and she goes i'm going to listen to that that's what i'm going to listen to cuz you know she's a lifelong iron maiden fan and she's going into this new thing with kiss a little bit and so i just thought well, you know what? These are the darkest albums Like you had already said a matter of life and death. And then she said that, and I didn't know what she was going to think of it. I still don't know what she thinks yet. Cause she's very good at, at not saying things and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. in more ways. Right. But, uh, but uh, I thought that would be kind of cool because these are the darkest albums. I am a big fan of both albums by both, you know, by kiss and by iron Maiden. So I thought, why not the three of us get together? Because both of y'all are in a little bit of a similar spot, so I'm going to let both of y'all tell where you are with. Uh, well, first off, quickly, because Kirsty's been on here, you know, a million times. Kirsty, tell us when you became an Iron Maiden fan and what your fandom is like.
2: Um, I became a fan in 1987. Mm-hmm. Um, I sort of dropped off a little bit after Bruce Dickinson left the band, but then I came back 2001. And since Book of Souls um got a bit more obsessed again, mm-hmm. went back and even listened to all their side projects, um, <laughs> joined the Iron Maiden fan group, um uh, the Adrian Smith fan group, and um ended up on this podcast. So yeah, it's a pretty big <laughs> fandom.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And and Gary, you where are you where do you okay, where are you coming from with Iron Maiden right now?
3: So I am uh, I think I, I uh, called myself a fair weather Iron Maiden fan up okay. until recently. And, uh, you know, I've always respected every member of the band, uh-huh. uh, every iteration that they've been through. Um, they're magnificent music- musicians. Uh-huh. Um <clears throat> I spent most of my um, teen years and uh, early 20s uh, as a bass player in uh, a few bands. And so Steve Harris was, you know, he was one of those iconic people that you aspired to have, you know, finger speed like this guy, you <laughs> know, and the, you know, it's just rapid fire, galloping lines that he could spit out all day long. You know, it's just, uh, he was one of those guys that you looked up to. Sure. But on the flip side of that, I have never favored operatic type vocals. So Bruce Dickinson, while amazing in his skill, that, that type of vibrato uh, that they throw on with the operatic style. Yeah. There was something about that, that just kind of turned me off. And um, also too, I was coming from a world where I grew up on a steady diet of KISS and those <laughs> kind of rock and roll songs that were three to five chords, maybe two to three minutes. And here you've got um, these, you know, five, six minute songs, even more sometimes. And, uh, you know, they've got all of this um these literary meanings, it, it was such, it was so deep that I was just like, I, I can't process this right now. I'm just going to, I'm going to go back and listen to um, Strutter.
0: And,
1: uh, <laughs> yeah, sir. Sure. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, so,
3: but to, to bring it up to now, um, I, I kind of wanted to go back and listen to it, you know, uh, because there's, there's a lot of uh, music that I kind of missed out on uh, growing up because I would put up those barriers. Uh, So bands like uh, Queensryche, um, uh, Ray, uh, for all the um, (laughs) uh, time I bust his chops, uh, he turned me on to Queensryche. I never gave that band a chance um, ever. And uh, now I I struggle to listen to new music because I'm constantly listening to Queensryche. I've got an entire catalog. Their entire catalog to me is new music. Sure. That's cool. um, Yeah, it's really cool. And um, I did that about the same time that I was talking to you about getting into Iron Maiden and, you know, (laughs) like where should I go? Because I I was thinking about them the same way. I've got this entire catalog of unlistened music where I've only listened to two or three songs per record on any given one. I've only owned um, two Iron Maiden records ever. I had um, uh, Somewhere in Time and uh, Seventh Son. those loved them, listened mm-hmm. to them a lot, but, um, you know, it was wasted years. I, you know, I bought it because I wanted to learn how to play that guitar lick. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, you know, other than, um, that, you know, I, I didn't listen to a lot of Iron Maiden until
1: recently. Gotcha. That's cool. I mean, it, it's really neat to come in, like you said, and have all this, just this world. I mean, as a, as a, as a music lover, To find a band that you really like and all of a sudden you start discovering just tons and tons of music by them that's just you've never heard before. And it's even though it's however long it's been, it's just it's amazing. It's an amazing feeling. What is and you know I find that music is a lot like food.
3: Um, things that you don't like um, today, a year from now, uh, you may like. <laughs> True. And um, you know, uh, when you're a kid, sometimes you have these finicky palates. But um, now I I'm not put off by the uh, vocal style, and um, you know the the music is more akin to classical music when it comes to composition, styling, and the writing uh, processes. So you know to think about it on that you know it's very intellectual Uh, I enjoy that the music and thinking about the process of how they put this together
1: cool cool and let me now let me ask you this real quick uh, just a little sidestep here because because the way you talk about music is definitely different than the way I talk about it so you've already met you've mentioned that you're you play guitar and you mentioned a little earlier that you play bass so what is your musical acumen i guess or what what, what's your how how long have you played and things like that and what do you do overall with music
3: um well i don't play in a band haven't played in a band in many years Um, i like to play guitar and bass um i I spent a lot of time as a bass player um, because it seemed like everybody wanted to be a guitar player and there's only so many shredders that you can have in a, a local band or local area, you know, when you're growing up in the small yeah. town, West Virginia. Um, so it's easier to be a bass player, but um, I love to uh, play guitar too. Um, you know, the music stuff that I write um, tends to, when I'm on my bass, I tend to write um, kind of jazzy stuff because mm-hmm. I like to be able to move around and play with the bass lines. Um, yeah. I, I less Claypool. um, Combined with uh, um, Billy Sheehan, those are probably two of my biggest influences. Oh, wow. Um, so, you know, kind of all over the place with their stylings, but okay. um, those they probably had the most influence but uh you know guitars um i i go back to def leppard um steve clark is probably one of my earliest guitar idols and um, oh, cool. i loved the way that he would put his uh riffs together and uh, you know just not for his lead playing it was that rhythm style that he had you know sure um
1: that's cool that's cool so
3: yeah but I, i've been playing for you know a, a long damn time uh, <laughs> you know 30 some years i guess Okay. okay. Not, that does Playing a long time doesn't make you good, though. Let, let me <laughs> <Yeah>. clarify
0: that.
2: <laughs> right, yeah, that's for sure. I've also been trying to play for quite a long time.
3: I've tried to play the
2: guitar since I was nine.
3: Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I love to play. I think I find it a, a great form of therapy. If I'm in a bad mood, I can sit down and play my guitar, and you can't be um, upset playing the guitar. You can right. get all your aggression
2: I was better at brass and woodwind instruments.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. There you go. I used to
2: play the tuba in school.
3: Oh, okay. I, I started Just on bass. saxophone when, uh, in marching band when I was uh, really young. and uh, Yeah,
2: that would have been more cool.
3: <laughs> but I, you have I, to play what, my...
2: what spot's available.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, one of my best friends uh, to this day, he came into school one day with a guitar, and I was in marching band. And he pulled out the guitar and played a couple, you know, hard rock riffs, and the girls were just crazy. And I said, "Dude, teach me how to do that." I don't, I don't know what it was that <laughs> you just did, but I, I don't ever want to see the
1: saxophone again. I want to know how. <laughs> That's that. Kirsty, that sounds like the story of Adrian Smith and Dave Murray, doesn't it? It does exactly,
2: <laughs> and it worked for Adrian Smith, didn't
1: it? Yeah. Well, you just mentioned something, Gary. That uh, it's. Uh, you said you could play your guitar when you're in a bad mood, and you never, and it kind of take you away from it. And it just made me think of that. The title of that song. I don't know if it's a Beatles song or it's George Harrison, but while my guitar gently weeps. Yeah.
0: It yeah, just George made Harrison. me think of
1: that as. The, you're, you're you're getting your emotions out through the guitar that's really a cool thing oh you absolutely
3: can the guitar is a um, it's a, a form of speech if you ask me it's it's a, another language and, sure. um, once you learn to play it you don't have to know how to read music even though that, that helps um, you know it, it's a it's all in how you play it I finally understood uh, you know what I would hear these other guitar players. Talk about um, learning to get your own voice, sure. so that you know if Steve Vai picked up my guitar, he is going to sound like Steve Vai. Right. If I pick up Steve's guitar, I'm going to sound like me on yeah. Steve's
0: guitar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: You know, it's not the instrument. You know, so you got to learn to, you know, what what is your voice? You know, and it, it doesn't matter, you know, how fast you play or whatever. You know, you need to you need to have your voice and
1: and sure, learn how sure. to. Do. Now, Kirstie, did did, you, did, you, did I hear you right? Did you say you used to play the tuba? Yes. Okay, okay.
2: Well, I mean, I played a few instruments, but.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you it, said um, it would win too?
2: Yeah, but I'm, um, so I ended up, because I did A-level music, which is like year 12, okay. playing the recorder as my instrument because I was teaching it to the year sevens.
1: Okay. Oh, okay. See, I, I there was
2: there was like a medieval band where there was a, um, an instrument that was like a cross between a recorder and a tuba. It's called a serpent, and I used to play in that as well. Hmm.
3: Oh, that sounds fascinating. Yeah, that's interesting. I, yeah, I, I, I never could get into the instruments that you had to um, be able to control your lips with. Um, all of the brass instruments, the tuba, and the, you know, the, I could never do that.
2: It sounded Hmm. pretty bad at first.
3: (laughs) (laughs) All instruments sound bad when you first start.
1: (laughs) True.
2: Yeah, that's true. But cheaper carry is pretty far. (laughs) (laughs) I'll
3: bet.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I got stuck with the saxophone as well in about, I think, seventh grade. And I I was trying to play drums. I wanted to play drums, but everybody else wanted to play drums apparently too. And I didn't have any, uh, I wasn't the popular kid or didn't have rich parents or anything like that to, uh, pushed me through. So, so I ended up on saxophone for a year or two and I quit. And then, then I started playing drums when I was about, uh, how old was I? 20 years ago. So something like that. So, and I'm still not great at it, but drums are one instrument you can sound decent on when you first, you know, sit down at them, if you just have any rhythm. So, yeah, but, uh, so, uh, for me, uh, as far as Iron Maiden goes, I was, I got into Maiden in the mid eighties as well. Like my first album was live after death in 84 probably in 80, I'm guessing early 86. And then not too long after that, they put out somewhere in time. And I was, I was along for the ride and probably until close to Bruce leaving. And, uh, well, no, I remember getting X-Factor when Blaze was on and I, I liked it some, but I just, I was going in a different direction and and it took me probably till uh, 2009, 8, 7-ish. And then I kind of got back into, uh, listening again and kind of was just like reacclimating myself with all these new albums that I had now. Cause they had, you know, three or four albums out there. Or maybe it was even 2010. Um, so I had like a final frontier and dance of death and matter, life and death and brave new world, all that I had never heard. And so I was kind of going back and, you know, having this new world open to me and I got to go see him again in 2012. They were redoing the seventh son tour, which was my first tour. And I mean, ever since, ever since then, it's just been, and then you know, book of souls came out. It was the first new album that I'd bought in years on release day. And so it's been ever since then. But, um, uh, Gary, where do you, where are you at as a kiss fan? Like what has your kiss fandom been like?
3: Uh, kiss was one of the first bands that I ever, that I actually have a memory of listening to. Um, it, For me, it goes back to somewhere around five years old. Um, I've told this story on our podcast. I remember getting these publishers' clearinghouse envelopes and stickers where you could order eight-track cassettes. (laughs) And I had no idea what the band was, but I saw the makeup and it was destroyer. Oh, sure. And I was like, I, I want that. And, um, my mom, you know, we, we were filling out the card and, you know, I was allowed to pick one. So she, she didn't know what she was getting me either. You know, it's just these clowns on the, the record <laughs> cover. So, um, I got that. And I remember listening to it and just, it's like, my God, you know, the, the thing, when it first starts out, you've got you know the car rumbling and all that radio stuff coming mm-hmm. into Detroit Rock City yeah. and King of the Nighttime World and God of Thunder and here I was five years old. You know my eyes bugged out, my jaw <laughs> down. I'm yeah. kind of scared, but I kind of like it. I don't know what how to feel. You know, sure, it was, sure. It was, it was really cool. Um, so yeah, I and I've been a lifelong Kiss fan ever since. Okay, I followed them uh you know i've i've seen him a handful of times um and always enjoyed it um you know i saw him i was glad that i finally got to see him with makeup because i was not old enough to go to a concert when they were in makeup yeah and then uh you know by the time i got to see him my uh first show was crazy nights uh, tour and mm-hmm. that was also my first concert ever uh me and uh, cousin marvin uh, we went to see them, uh, for crazy nights and, uh, you know, that obviously we were huge fans prior to, so getting to go together, that that's was cool. pretty awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah, that's it was our first concert and, uh,
1: yeah, i never forget that. I-, I was thinking when you were telling that story about your mom letting you pick one out and she looked at it and she didn't know what it was. I thought she probably looked at it and just thought, oh, it's, it's an album of some kind of cartoons or something, you know, cause yeah, it's just, exactly, it's a drawing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, so Kirsty, what about you? Where's your? Uh, what's your relationship like with Kiss over the years and now?
2: I can um, remember having a Gene Simmons mask when I was a little kid. <laughs> um, I think up until about four years ago, I knew like about four or five songs that you mm-hmm. hear on the radio, and mm-hmm. that was it. And then my daughter, who's about seven, then was in an assembly, and it was all about rock music through the ages. She was playing Joan Jett. Okay. And um, her best friend was in KISS, so the four kids that were in KISS had to go into school early and get their makeup done. (laughs) And, um, And they sang Rock and Roll All Night Party every day. Yeah. And my daughter was obsessed from that moment. And for her Christmas present, she wanted an MP3 player with Kiss on it and nothing else. Oh, wow. And we got her a T-shirt and a mug and everything because, you know, you get really excited when your kids like rock music, even if it's not exactly the same as what you want. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I took an interest. Um, So I listened to um, The Very Best of Kiss. And I liked a few songs on it, particularly Detroit Rock City. Um, But I still didn't think about it too much. But then I think the next year they were coming to Perth. So I bought her tickets for her birthday, but unfortunately, Paul Stanley got a sore throat and he couldn't do it on the day. So they cancelled. Yeah. And we've been trying to see them ever since. Um, but with COVID, but hopefully in September, we'll see them. And then a few weeks ago, it's like Steve's a really big fan and we quite often match up on musical taste. Mm-hmm. Um. And I, what did I want to hear? Oh, that's right. Cause you were uh, arguing about going blind. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I decided to listen to that and I absolutely loved it. So oh, yeah.
1: thought, Oh, so you're team going blind. Are you? <laughs> oh yeah. Going blind. You're outnumbered oh, again, what? Gary. You're outnumbered again, Gary. Sorry.
2: I sorry, Kirstie. Which was hotter than hell. And it was the same that you did it on your podcast, incidentally. Yeah. But I wasn't really that bothered about the rest of the album. (laughs) Uh, Then we were talking about it on the podcast. Steve told me about um, music from the Elder. And part of me thought, yeah, I might like that because I'm really, I like Lord of the Rings as much as I like Iron Maiden. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I like lots of different genres and classical. I thought, I'll give that a go. But, no, it sounds like a soundtrack. I only really liked Only You. It's yes. a bit that is a
0: beautiful
1: song. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. But um,
0: yeah, it's there. an
3: interesting listen.
1: It is. It very much is. Yeah. So. I kept
2: going. So Steve suggested "Carnival of Souls" after the "Kiss Hurdle."
1: Yeah, you heard because you heard it, and you said you liked it. You said you liked what it sounded like. So,
2: I uh, yeah, I like that one song. Um, so you don't
1: got to say any more. You don't got to go too deep into it just yet. So,
2: yeah, I'm okay. Really we anxious we, we won't. That. We won't. Um <laughs> And uh, I, then I found out the playlist that for their concert that's coming up,
0: uh-huh.
2: and I really liked a hundred thousand years
0: Ooh, from that. Yeah. So
2: I listened to the first album,
0: oh.
2: which my um, Well, that's on that, isn't it? So I like that and um, Strata. Yeah. And that's about where I'm up to at the moment.
1: Okay. Yeah. So it's it's funny because both of you have. It's, it's, it's like there's these huge similarities, but just on the opposite end of both of these bands. So, Because you both have a lot of music in front of you that you can get into if you choose to, that you may or may not love. I was thinking that, I, I don't know if Gary has gotten into, like if, if Gary would have done with the same way I did with Kiss, but with Maiden. Like if he would have listened to a couple of albums and then went back and said, I'm going to start at the beginning and go listen to the first Iron Maiden album when I come hearing Bruce and I l- loved Bruce when I heard him and going back and hearing Paul Diano on the first one. And I was just like, you know, the, the production is so much different on those albums on the first one as well. Definitely. And I was just like, Oh, this is, it. it it's, it's those two albums, those first two albums still haven't really ever just, I like them and I like a lot of the songs on them but they've never been what a lot of the other ones are for me. But
2: Okay, but Gary wasn't really into operatic vocals,
1: so... That yeah, so it might have worked, wouldn't yeah. wouldn't be a problem yeah. for him. Well, yeah, but I'm just probably saying... Like, I'm just, know, go ahead. With the, those
3: early uh, Paul D'Anno uh, stuff, I, I actually didn't mind. Uh, I liked the, the vocals. Yeah. Um, what I didn't like is I felt like the lyric content was yeah. just weak yeah, on those was. records. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't think that they were writing very good, and even musically... They were talented, yeah. But it was very stilted. It was like, okay, I'm going to play a Phrygian pattern right here, and then you're going to play this, uh you know, whatever pattern over top of that. And it was like they were, it, it, they hadn't matured enough yet. Oh, sure,
1: um, sure, yeah, yeah. They,
3: they were, they were really early, you know. I mean, I, and I, here I am, uh, you know, an armchair critique uh, about uh, some of the greatest musicians. We all is, are. Yeah, <laughs> we like, all are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But, you know, th- that's my two cents worth. You know, I-, I feel like we got to hear some of what was those, you know, those um, early, um, you know, sparks that turned into oh yeah the band that I love now.
1: Yeah. Listening to that album, it's 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 at least the first one. There's a lot and of I
3: still say Rap Child is one of the best uh, songs okay. in the Maiden catalog.
1: OK. It's for me. It really
2: is. People won't agree because they're tired of it because it comes out too often. But there's a reason for that.
1: Tr- yeah, it's yeah. like it's yeah. It's
3: like rock and roll all night. You know, it, yeah. it is a wonderful song. I would love to have
1: people tell me that I have a song that has been overplayed that much. You True, know, but, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right, exactly. But I mean, on the first album, that like to me, "Phantom of the Opera" is the one song that like where it's like they were trying and trying. They com- they got it like totally right on that song. Yeah. And, and, and like I yeah. said, I like a lot of the other songs because it's like getting into a band like kiss That the, when I heard that first album and I, the way it sounded to me and I was just like, you know, it's, they really hadn't found their voices yet per se. And, and, but then you got a hundred thousand years and you got black diamond. And to me, I love to me. Those are the two best songs on the first album by far strutters. I mean, I like a lot of songs on it, but in hindsight, when I first heard them in the way in their original form, you know? So that's kind of the way I feel about the first album too with Maiden. But, uh, for me with kiss, I, I think I already, did I already say how I got into kiss? I got into kiss and, in, uh, or was it Maiden. Who are we talking about right now? I can't remember. Uh, kiss. So about Kiss. I got into kiss similar to the time I got into Maiden. Um, I got animalized for my birthday in 1985 and I believe it was about three months later they released Asylum. I got a, so I got those two in pretty quick succession. I got my cousin to record me Creatures and lick it up on a double cassette, and then for Christmas I got the real cassettes. And then it was just kind of a it was starting to. When I, I remember having the little Asylum advertisement from the magazine, it had Asylum real big on one pie on one side, and it said. I think it said, accept no imitations. And then it had a list of all their pictures of all their album covers and everything. And I'm like, oh wow, look at all these with all the makeup and everything. I I don't know that I'd ever seen them with makeup before. So it was like totally new to me. And I'm looking at all these covers and going, oh man, I got to start, you know, I'd kind of looked I was like, okay, I like the dress to kill cover. I like the dynasty cover. I like the creatures, you know, and trying to figure out what I wanted. And and then I was just like, well, I got to just start because this is my favorite band in the world. I got to just, you know, <laughs> that real quick, I guess, almost like puppy love, you know, like love at first sight. I was like, oh, gosh, gotta I love it all. Yeah, it was new to me. And I was like, I wanted everything. And so I just kind of started that as well. And and I, I've never really not been a Kiss fan, kind of like I've never really not been an Iron Maiden fan. There were times when I didn't, you know, I went years where I may not have listened to it for a while. But then it's always been there if I ever needed it or wanted it. So. And, you know, I, I guess this is a good, a good point to talk, uh, to kind of get into what we're going to talk about here with the dark, the dark side here. But I remember, uh, revenge came out in 1992 and it was, uh, you'll probably remember this, Gary, it was just, uh, we heard unholy and it was like after crazy nights and after the, uh, smashes thrashes and hits a couple of songs. It was like, all of a sudden kiss went from being a little poppier sounding to you hear unholy. And you're like, wow, this is almost to me. It was like creatures style. Holy. I mean, uh, heavy. Yeah. Yeah. And they made that album, you know, everything went on with that. Then, then they start working on the next album, which was obviously in the throes of the Seattle grunge style, dark, You know, I don't like to say grunge because it was just a darker sounding rock music and KISS was a rock band. And then they start working on that next album. In the process of that, they go on their um, little tour of all the cities doing the unplugged shows and uh, the conventions. Uh, Were you able to attend a convention?
3: No, no I've never uh went to any of the conventions. Okay. Um I have a a, a love-hate relationship with um the band specifically Gene <laughs> Simmons. Um you know, I love them. Yeah. And I have spent an enormous amount of money through the years on trinkets and sure. you know all of the stuff and I just I've reached a point where I just can't do it. And then the prices they charge for these conventions and cruises and stuff. Oh um, yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Well, this is when it's crazy. Yeah. This is when, and it was expensive. I remember spending a hundred bucks on a ticket, but it was like, wow, we're going to get to go see kiss unplugged. They're going to take requests, questions. I believe they had a kiss cover band. I'm pretty sure they did because I've had a guy on that actually, I think was either managing one of the bands, a kiss cover band that was there at the time. Like, I think, but they did that and, you know, and they saw that people wanted to hear songs like coming home songs, like going blind, just all these little songs, you know, uh, uh what's the uh, take me songs from their old albums that they were never playing. And, They saw that, and then of course the ill fated, or you know, ill fated—I guess you could call it—the meeting up in Los Angeles where Peter Chris shows up, and they pull him up on stage. Obviously, because I mean, why not? They hadn't seen him in years, and it was best friends, even though they, you know, had probably had a hate relationship at one time. Hey, look, it's our old friend. Bring him up. He sings "Hard Luck Woman." The crowd goes ballistically insane before cell phones and before, you know, all the social medias, and and you know that Gene (laughs) had to be looking, just looking out and seeing dollar signs and, Oh, you know, yeah. And, and of course the reaction that they got was, Oh wow, this is something we're going to have to go for. And, uh, obviously that, that kind of started steamrolling because they, they got done with that. You know, I think the story has it that, you know, Ace and Peter were, had, they had been touring, I think earlier that year in 95 together, the bad boys tour, and of course, Ace was kind of like, so, hey, how'd that, you know, Peter was like, wow, I got up on stage with Gene and Paul. It was just like water under the bridge. Everything was great. You know, little does he know. But, um, and you know, wow, it was just a phenomenal time. And then of course that starts the process where Gene and Paul are diving into, let's do our next album. And as we know, I don't know if you know this, Kirsty or not, but Kiss... They didn't start out this way, but they end they've they've been this way ever since, up until the makeup going back on, is they were kind of trend followers because they were always trying to get back to the top and they knew they weren't the uh flavor of the month anymore. And so they were always chasing, and so with with the Seattle style dark sound of music, that's they went heavy on an, on um Revenge. Then they said let's even go heavier. And of course they were, you know, we, we've heard stories of, you know, we want to sound like Alice and Chains. We want to sound, make us sound like Smashing Pumpkins or whatever. And and they went and got the Alice and Chains producer, Toby Wright, to work on Carnival of Souls. <clears throat> and they start working on this really heavy album. But in the background, they're working with uh, Eric Singer and Bruce Kulick. In the background, they're negotiating and trying to discuss... Well actually no wait, they did the unplugged first, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Then after unplugged that was whenever it got really heated. So they were working on the album. They they got offered to do unplugged. I think Eric Singer's the one who said, "Hey, y'all should ask Ace and Peter to come along. that will be really cool." Little did he know, <laughs> you know. But um that was when it, I guess I said that a little bit wrong, but uh yeah, so that was going on. They were they so they're in they've already recorded a lot of Carnival and then they're still working on it, but they're not nearly as interested now because they know that Ace and Peter are both interested because they're probably their bank accounts were making them be interested. And uh, the direction of Carnival of Souls, as we all know, was dark. And thank God. Let me ask you, Gary, because we obviously know that Kiss came and they went out, they did the makeup. Let me ask you, I want to ask you for two questions. Firstly, let's see. Who do you think leaked the album? Do you think it was like Bruce? you think he was purposely? I think le- it's Bruce. That's, that could be the only, it had to be him or like Toby Wright. And I don't, maybe they were in co you know, they worked together to do it. Here, personally, I,
3: I, I say it as Bruce. Uh, I say that as a joke. Sure. Because Bruce is too nice of a guy. Yeah. Bruce would never do it. But I think somebody did it on behalf of Bruce because Bruce, yeah. and I've said this on our podcast about this record, this is their swan song. Yeah. This is Kiss's swan song. Best records they could have ever done. They finally had one where they, and, and I hate that they get lumped into the grunge, even though I know Toby Wright worked on this. Sure, he, sure. Was the, he was the producer flavor of the, um, The time, Mm -hmm. but the sound that they got was the evolution of revenge, yes. And the sound that they had was by the time revenge came along, Gene and Paul trusted Bruce and were comfortable enough with Bruce and Eric Singer working in the band that Carnival of Souls they had a lot of creative freedom going into it, and then they got thrown the curveball of unplugged mm-hmm. and the reunion which got paul and gene so distracted yeah. that you know eric and eric and uh, bruce got to uh, play around in the studio and create this magnificent record and get gene and paul to come in and sing on their record yeah it was essentially what seemed to happen and that's why it doesn't sound like a kiss record but it does sound like it evolved from Revenge but you know by definitely doesn't sound like your typical Kiss record and maybe that's why I love it so much is they finally were original again
1: yes yeah well did you think that did you think whenever they went on the reunion tour did you think that they would never take the makeup off again or did you think it's going to be a tour, and then they'll go back to – let me let me say my part real quick, because I know you're going to want to say yours. I felt like they were – I was excited, because like you, I never saw the original band in makeup, and that was my opportunity. And I was excited, but also, after hearing Carnival of Souls, or even before, I remember thinking, I like the direction the band is heading. I like this – you know, especially, I mean, to me, Unholy is the defining song. And it's a dark, heavy song. And I remember thinking, I love the direction they're going. They put the makeup back on. We end up here in Carnival and it's what it was. And I liked that direction that they were heading. And I was happy, but disappointed that they were going on the reunion tour. But I was like, okay, they're going to do the reunion tour. And then they'll get back with Eric and Bruce. And then they'll continue being this creative force moving forward. Little did I know that even though they've put three other studio albums out after that, they never were the creative force. They were never moving forward. They were always trying to be, let's make albums that sound like seventies kiss if we can. And uh, for me, I didn't think they were going to keep the makeup on. I mean, literally they had the makeup on now for 96, 06, 16, I mean, 26 years. Who would have thought that? Yeah. What, what did you think? What did you think with that time?
3: So, when they did the reunion tour, I was super excited
0: mm-hmm.
3: I um, was engaged to be married and lo and behold i was had already scheduled it was already um, slated to get married <laughs> October the eighteenth nineteen
0: ninety six
3: in Lexington, Kentucky and a good friend of mine who worked at a record store calls me up and she's like, Hey, do you know, uh, kisses, uh, in the road, uh, or, you know, going to be in the area. Are you interested in tickets? And I asked her what the date was. Oh, and no. it was, yes, October the 18th, 1996. Oh, man. I looked at my, um, soon to be, and she's like, that would be cool on our honeymoon. And I'm like, Oh yes! Oh my yeah. gosh, so, man! You were yes, like, "This is the I, one, no I, doubt." <laughs> I, uh, went, um, but I should have known because um, my my marriage didn't last. Uh, neither did uh, Ace and Peter stayed in the band. Um, <laughs> should have known it was all just doomed. Um, but <laughs> yeah. I did get to uh, go say that I went on my honeymoon to see Kiss.
1: That's um, that's so really that was, cool
3: pretty amazing. Um, I bought one of the, um, t-shirts there that, um, my daughter, um, the daughter from that marriage, um, she proudly wears to this day. Um, so, uh, yeah, that was fun. But back to the question, uh, I was really hopeful because Carnival of Souls had come out. Yeah. I thought there's. They're going to do this. This is expected. This is a natural thing. It should have happened. Everybody wants to see this, and I can't wait to see the reunion. And then when Psycho Circus came out, I'm like, "All right, it's cool, y'all know. You know, you got together, y'all did the tour. Now you released a few little songs. You banged them around. It wasn't the greatest record. All right, get back with Bruce and let's let's move on. Mm -hmm. And ever since then, I've I've kind of had a little bit of a chip on my shoulder.
1: Sure, I can understand that.
3: Just, gosh, guys, don't do this. Take the makeup off. Put it on every now and then, you know, and have Ace and Peter show up every now and then, you know, but get get, get the original, or
1: <laughs> the original.
3: Get, get uh, yeah. you know, get Eric Singer and uh, Bruce back
1: in. Don't wear the makeup and, and play some music. This is what I'm thinking. I've never really thought this, but I have to ask Kirsty a question first. Kirsty, do you think that if you were scheduled to be married – to your husband Aaron and mm. you found out that Iron Maiden was playing that night, do you think that Aaron would have said, I wanna go see Iron Maiden on my honeymoon night?
2: He wouldn't have said that. Um <laughs> hopefully he would have done it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: you know, he's come and seen them with me twice and and okay. he's seen quite a few couple bands with me, even though they're not his favorite.
1: <laughs> sure, sure. Well that's a good he's a good sport then. Yeah. Uh, this is, this is what Iron Maiden does, and this is one thing that KISS has really failed at. Iron Maiden does, I guess the best way to call it would be a nostalgia tour. In between every album, I pretty much since Brave New World, they've done some sort of a nostalgia tour. And it would have been really cool if KISS would have done that tour. You know, like you said, even done a couple of tours and put out an album or whatever, and went back and done the thing with Eric and Bruce do that for a couple years and then do another couple, maybe a tour with Ace and Peter and then go back with, you know, and go back and forth yeah. to make it special to me. the Even though, I mean, I've been to a lot of the makeup shows that they've done over the years, just because, you know, I still love hearing you wanted the best and you got the best, the hottest band in the land. You know, I love hearing that, but they it's to a certain degree, it's lost. It's sp- it's just lost the excitement, even though there's a little bit of excitement. Like every time I've went, when they come on there, all right, Dallas, you wanted the best. I mean, I've got goosebumps. I'm super excited. And a little bit into it, you're just kind of like, okay, okay, cool. It, 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 you know, it's it's fun, but it, it's not like what it would be if it was just every five years or something. So, which is yeah. what makes it cool about a Maiden show. You go see Maiden on a, on a tour, and they're normally going to play five or six songs from their new album, whether you like it or not. And then they'll play you some hits. And then the next tour, it'll pretty much be nothing but hits. It'll just be a big all encompassing, or it'll be a tour for seventh son, basically redone, which is phenomenal. So yeah, I, I feel like it, and it sucks. Yeah. That's
2: perfect. Isn't it? Perfect mix.
1: It is. And maiden has really hit the nail on the head with it. They've really hit the and nail. People
2: on the know head. what the tour is. So don't go to an album tour and then complain.
1: But uh-huh. it's not all hits.
2: Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. When yeah. they do hits tours as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and well, I I've
2: seen quite a lot of complaints on um, Facebook about <laughs> oh, yeah. playing three songs from Senjutsu.
3: Oh gosh. Yeah, and the the ordering of them. I've seen a lot of complaints about that. It, it, it doesn't really bother me, but then again, I'm I'm the fair weather. Uh, sure, Norden sure. <laughs> well, I l- l-
2: they don't really care what we think. They'll just play whatever they like. Right.
3: Yeah, they're, well, they're and I, I'm glad that they're doing those kind of things, though, because I, I do like to hear some of those songs. And if yeah. I got a chance to see them, uh, th- that'd be kind of neat. I, I hate how Kiss is uh, on this end of the road. They're not doing any of their non-makeup era stuff except for, you know, the um, Lick It know, Up,
0: uh, Heaven's, on yeah, or, uh,
3: Heaven's on Fire or Heaven's on Fire. Um, there's so many good non-makeup songs that they can oh, do, yeah. and all of these soundboards that they're releasing now that yeah. are—they're um, they're new. I, I want to hear non-makeup era soundboards. Um, good lord, uh, yeah. I want to hear the good stuff.
1: Release an animalized I, live one. Come on.
3: Oh my gosh, how good that would that be? Your I asylum. Know, uh, I know. Would love to hear some of those early Bruce Kulick stuff.
1: So I don't know if you know this, um, Gary, but when Iron Maiden toured for a matter of life and death, they, this is the only tour they've ever only album they've ever done it for. They played, they came out and played the full album front to back. And yeah,
3: I did read that. Okay. Uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, I heard they got a little criticism for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I kind of like it.
1: Oh, Um, I love it.
3: I like, you know, this, um, spoiler alert is my favorite maiden record. at the moment. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I think it'd be kind of neat to go hear it oh, um, man. in its entirety. Uh, even though it's not a concept record, I like the flow of the record. Absolutely. So I think it'd be kind of neat to be able to hear that. Um, I've seen a few bands, uh, do, you know, records in their entirety and you, you've got to be into the band. Um, sure to enjoy something like that because as Kirsty said uh, you don't come to it to hear a bunch of hits if you came to hear the trooper that night um you're out of luck
1: <laughs> so Kirsty, i don't know I, I know you would have told me this a long time ago but did you did you see the amount life and death tour
2: no i did not okay that, that wouldn't have come to perth and it's just too hard for me to do traveling
1: so you were already okay I didn't I couldn't remember if you were already in Perth by then or not okay. Okay, okay. So so uh let's uh let's 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 chop over here a little bit on the kiss. So Kirsty, you had heard seduction of the innocent. You thought that sounded a little interesting and you went and you checked out Carnival of Souls, which I don't know if you I don't know if you can tell or not, but Gary likes it a little bit. So uh um you went and checked out Carnival of Souls. How about some? Uh, let's get a little feedback here.
2: Okay, so I started writing notes while I was listening to the first track, okay. which is called Hate.
1: Yeah,
2: and I've put. Immediately, um, I think this is the album for me in the first few notes. So wait, 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 wait! Say feedback. that again. Your, your audio
1: got choppy. <laughs> Say that album. again.
2: Oh, uh, I thought this would be the album for me just in the first few notes. Because it starts with feedback, and then it's a fantastic heavy riff straight off. Yeah. And I like the vocals on it. And and they've done sort of, they have done Alice in Chains style harmonies quite a lot on yeah. this album.
1: Sure. And
2: I love grunge. I'm a big Alice in Chains fan.
1: So Same here. It shouldn't
2: come as a surprise that I liked it. Um, And this stayed heavy throughout. Great soloing. I love the guitars on this. Yeah. And the lyrics weren't bad either. Yeah. So I've put, I've got a good feeling about this and done a smiley face.
1: <laughs> so, so did that, uh, well, let's, let's kind of, we can all kind of chime in a little bit here. Now I got to warn, I got to just, I got to just tell Gary, he can't go crazy. Cause I know that Gary, where do you rank this in your kiss pantheon of albums? Is this your top bottom middle? What? So
3: it depends on uh, what day of the week, um, I will tell you my top three records are always this carnival of souls, revenge and destroyer. Okay. It just depends on what mood I'm in.
1: Okay. Um, but yeah, th- those are always my top three. Okay. Well, I agree with one of those. I agree with one of those in my t- probably, <laughs> my t- probably in my top three, one of those, uh, two of them I think are overrated. I'll give you a hint. They have the same producer, <laughs> but, uh, so this is definitely in your top three. So, um, well, let's, let's, you know, Kirsty, we, I, I know that you love this album. I know I'm a big fan of this album. I went through the album and I, I think hate reminds me, it, it seems like they were going for revenge part two, a little bit with this one, like unholy part two, uh, a, a, like a strong starter because how many albums start off with a gene track? This one in revenge, right? That's it. And and Gene Simmons' solo album, of course. I, I don't think there's any more. So, but I really like it. And do you like the song "Hate," Gary? Yeah, it's one of the best
3: Gene songs um, ever. And I think on that song in particular, it was like hearing Gene was back. Yeah, it, the, it was the best he had ever sounded um, in the non-makeup era. It was all the way back to like God of Thunder. I remember being scared as a kid. I was scared again. <laughs> you know, the the demon was here.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what about uh, moving on the album, Kirsty? How did it, how did it continue? Was the did the smiley face keep smiling or what?
2: Well, I do every song. <laughs>
1: You can oh, you can talk about, you can go through highlights, you can talk about whatever you like, just as you move on. Yeah. If you have any songs that really stood out or whatever, or didn't stand out.
2: Yeah, so, um, yeah, I really liked, yeah, the first three songs. Uh-huh. It's a really good start to the album. Um, I really liked Rain. It had the, those bends after I say the word rain, and it's really moody. Yeah. I, it didn't sound like any kiss I've heard before, but... You'll probably have noticed this. Probably people have said this before. I played Dirt last week, and I noticed it was quite similar to Rain When I Die. And <laughs> it's even got the same line. I think it's going to rain. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, good point. I'd never but put I that together. I still absolutely love it. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah, It's got a banging solo as well.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: But that's probably one of my favorites on the album. Um, and Master and Slave is kind of it – it's got a really good bass line. Yeah, um, and it goes really quiet and then loud, like smells like Teen Spirits.
1: Oh man,
2: do so. I think I'm liking a lot of the songs too, some 90s songs,
1: yeah.
3: Like they've really tried to be 90s, um, but that's fine. Bruce playing the bass on that song, if I'm
1: not mistaken. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I I know he plays bass on Jungle too, so yeah, Yeah, he plays bass on most
2: of them. Yeah, bit of a standout on this album, isn't he?
1: Yeah, he is. Mm -hmm. He is.
2: Yeah. Um Childhood's End I really liked. Um let's the start of that reminds me. Oh yeah, me that's Ray's a favorite song. Of a Psycho Motel song. And I don't know if you've heard of them, Gary.
3: Pretty sure you wouldn't have. Psycho Motel, no.
2: Adrian Smith's side project in the nineties.
0: So oh, okay.
2: another, metal, another metal artist trying to be a bit grungy in the nineties.
0: <laughs> I'll just check that out. I like
3: Adrian Smith's work. Um that Smith Cotson uh record. Uh-oh. came out recently
1: yeah. my gosh i love
0: that
2: yeah thing. sure that's excellent Kirsty,
1: that, you um, need to warn him give him give him a warning here wheezy. if he's gonna go, go to go to that oh
2: one. Yeah, yeah um there's no warning necessary it's very good psycho of yeah but psycho motel nothing and needs a bit of a warning psycho yeah, motel like, uh-huh.
1: but it's nothing like smith Carson, though right psycho motel
2: no, no no he's um definitely tried quite a lot of different things yeah and here he was trying being in a 90s type band Yeah, Yeah. Childhood's End was really catchy. I had that stuck in my head all day. Cool. I thought the children singing worked well.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: And then we get to I Will Be There, and I've written, oh, a proper ballad. It's nice. Could be a grower. And now I've decided it isn't.
0: Oh, no. Even though
2: it's got, on Spotify, it's got about a million more plays than the other songs I noticed. So I'm obviously like.
1: <laughs> That's interesting. Oh, I it. I love be on, song.
2: It must be on someone's plate, on some playlists and stuff. And yeah. I realized that it was very special. And he's written it about his son. Sure. And I'm just not as into that one. It's like I don't mind it. Yeah.
0: But yeah. That's
1: fair Ray enough.
3: and I almost came to blows a couple nights over that song.
1: Does he really? like it or not like it?
3: Yeah, you'll have to listen to our draft episodes Okay. Man.
1: Okay. 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 Yeah. Okay. Well. Uh-huh.
3: I he may have stole one of my picks oh boy okay uh, it did uh-huh. not
1: go
0: well yeah
1: well, okay I'll, I want to add a little bit here because I, I don't want you to just go all through the album by yourself uh, no, no.
0: Um,
1: I think uh, I think rain's a cool song as well I I, I never like I'm, I'm like uh, Gary I never put together the rain when I die but yeah same is I think Toby Wright worked on that album with him I believe so and you know, and like I said, they were going for. I mean, that's what they were going for. They that's kind of kind of what their blueprint was. But I love what they did with it. I love what they did with the yeah. whole thing because people sometimes say about Kiss, like like say unmasked, right? It's real poppy, and people will go, "Well, that's just not a Kiss album." And I'm like, "Look, you don't get to decide what's a Kiss album. They get to decide what's a right? Kiss album. If it's yes. if it says Kiss on there and it's Carnival Souls, it's a different style, but it's Kiss. So." I like it. Uh, Master and slave. I, I I never really thought the smells like Teen Spirit. You know the the heavy light heavy. You know are loud quiet. But I I love 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 that song. Um, some of the lyrics I think are kind of you know the lyrics on this album are a lot more introspective for Kiss. And even though they, I don't think you're ever really gonna get the truth from them about any much of anything. You know they won't tell you. No. Like I mean where they were at financially and as a band. They were in a bad situation. They weren't these just millionaires living it up. You know, they were struggling. They were losing money on every tour. Um, But I'm a lyric guy. And I know I asked Gary earlier and he said he's not as much of a lyric guy. But one of my favorite lyrics from this song and one of my favorite parts of this song and the whole album, there's a part where he says, I don't know what to feel, don't know what to say, don't know what to do and then he says then, he, then the, that's in the a softer part then it kind of j- builds up really big and it says i don't know where to go don't know who to be don't know who to know and then there's another part where you know where he's where it gets quiet again he i think he says life a movie in my head a us see i don't know that's the where he where he just goes wake up and start to lie! And he's that big long scream yeah,
2: that is brilliant
1: and i will say yeah. this i want to add this and i don't I, i'm guessing gary may not have ever heard this before but it's one of my Favorite podcast episodes ever because I love this album. Um, the Decibel Geek podcast did either a one part or a two part interview with Toby Wright specifically all about recording and working with Kiss on Carnival Souls, and yeah,
3: I have that saved uh, to listen to.
1: Um,
3: yeah. I appreciate the tip on that. I I think it'll be a good listen.
1: And I will say, I'm pretty sure that he says that, wake up and start to lie. I'm pretty sure that is a pieced together vocal. I'm pretty sure he said it was a lot of things pieced together, but whatever it is, it sounds sounds perfect. I absolutely love Paul, you know, really, you know, the part on this master and slave, when he says, you know, the part where it's getting heavier and he's like, I don't know where to go. And he's really into it. Some of Paul's best vocals ever. I just love it. I love it. I love it. Um, Paul's uh, vocals in his career they were on point. Oh, and yeah,
3: probably the best he'd ever sounded at this uh, time in his career
1: here and uh, unplugged some yeah. of the best uh recordings ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, moving to Childhood's End real quick. I love Childhood's End too. It's uh you know, Gene has a little bit of a gritty lower voice that he's singing in, you know, and it's, it's, it's really, it's just a cool song. I like the chorus. Mm. It's, 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 it's pretty all, it's pretty low key. But I think the, the biggest takeaway from this song that most Kiss fans got, and I never heard it for years until someone pointed out is there's a part at the very ends where he's singing these little pieces in between the chorus. And there's one part where he says, you've got something about you. You've got something I need, which is directly a line out of God of Thunder. Yep. I used to always just hear, you've got something I need. I never heard that you've got something about you because I was always singing the chorus. But, um, Okay. so I'm, I'm going to do, I will be there. And then I want to hear Gary's part about this. Cause I think that'll probably be most of like side one. I have always, okay. What's the, every time I look at you on revenge, I have always not really liked that song. I think it's a it's a very well-written song. It's a well-performed song. I've just never liked it. I, f- I just feel like it's real... It's just not mailed in, but it just feels... doesn't feel authentic. You know, it feels to me like... And, and maybe this is blasphemy when I say this, Gary. But it feels like forever. It just feels like a phony baloney Paul Stanley song. When I listen to this one, A, it's a little darker because it's on this album. It feels really authentic because... Paul Stanley, all his life was just a ladies man, you know, as far as, you know, getting into kiss and all the way up until this point, he's a ladies man, blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden he has, you know, we can all, I'm sure, attest to this. The biggest change that can ever happen to you for most people is when you have a child. And and he had a child and he just realized this whole different kind of love. And I think you can really hear it and feel it when he sings this song. And I absolutely adore I Will Be There. I think it's. If it's, it's probably the second best kiss. And Paul sounds great in this song. I so. think,
3: um, my opinion, uh, for what it's worth, um, I will be there is the best ballad
1: kiss ever wrote. I will be there. Is the best one. Oh,
2: maybe I'm just a ballad's person.
1: Yeah. Could be. It, um,
3: yeah, I think it's the best ballad ever. Some would argue Beth. I would say that uh, Stan Penridge uh, wrote that, (laughs) and um, I I, I question how much Peter had to do with it. Right. But uh, I will be there, I think, is uh, absolute um, perfection. It's the best the best ballad they ever
1: wrote. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Kirsty, you'll it, it is a grower. It's going to be a grower, Kirsty. It's it's either got to be a grower or it's just not for you. I I maybe it's cuz it's a dad singing to his son. Maybe that makes it a little different for uh, us dads. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> it could be. So, um any any other comments as far as uh the first half of this album, uh, Gary? I uh,
3: no, I I think um I've already mentioned um Bruce and
1: his playing
3: on this. Um, He definitely is a standout because he does the majority of the guitars um, and a big part of the bass uh, on here, too. So that uh, Childhood's End, I think, has got an interesting bass line, a lot of uh, bends Mm -hmm. uh, that he's doing in there. And it just sounds interesting. I remember uh, Cousin Tim and I talking about how, had they stuck together, touring on this record would have been very difficult because i don't know that gene could have played the songs on this record and sang his parts live even though gene's a really good um you know musician capable of singing and playing at the same time yeah there's some pretty interesting parts on here that um you know when you've got a guy a guitar player playing the parts that doesn't have to worry about singing them um he, he doesn't, he he writes things a little differently.
1: Well, and you figure they wouldn't have, you know, Kiss is not like Maiden on an album tour. They might would have played two, maybe three of these songs. Um, And I did, right. I did just pull this up. And if Wikipedia is anything to go off of, uh, Bruce, it says he plays bass on Rain, I Will Be There, Jungle, It Never Goes Away. So wait, we, he doesn't play on Master and Slave then. So Gene plays the Master and Slave, it says uh it never goes away in the mirror and of course he plays it on i walk alone so uh yep. okay so uh so kirsty uh yeah get, getting into the second half of the album i guess that would be this would be about the halfway point jungle what, let's let's hear what you think about the second half of this album
2: yeah i i just thought jungle had a great bass line really great riffs it's not grungy really it's it's quite funky and upbeat yeah it's got um Really good uplifting chorus. Yeah, cracking solo. Yeah, really like this one.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I yeah, me too. I love this song. Uh, I, I love the part coming into the chorus. You know when he's like, yeah, that whole oh yeah that that's, that's really, he, yeah. he sounds just. I mean, oh god, that's just an an incredible vocal. <laughs> I love it. And, and you know what this 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 song actually won an award like metal it was like metal edge from that magazine it was like the song of the year <laughs> that year and i'm like it didn't even okay. and, and kiss and, uh, and i don't understand Did they
2: yeah
1: and they don't even and they can't even bother to to do anything with this my only complaint about this song is probably what anybody would say is it goes on a little long at the end you know it just plays oh, yeah. and plays and Way plays and plays and i'm just like it's enjoyable, but after a while you're just like, and then there's some weird noises kind of going on. And I feel like that's a lot of the, uh, them trying to have some, some grungy. Yeah.
3: That,
2: um, yeah they were definitely trying sound. something here.
3: Ambience kind of yeah. the, uh,
1: moody kind of thing that they were going yeah. for. Absolutely. there's
2: a lot of effects on it.
1: Absolutely. What about you, uh, Gary? What about you on that song? I, I love, uh, the baseline
3: on there, uh, perfect example of bruce um you know killing it and yeah i i don't that, that's one of those uh, i've i've played it and it's it's uncomfortable to play because it's an odd
1: timing yeah and uh yeah i i just love his stuff gotcha yeah yeah it's it's, it's interesting you know I, I would think that um i played a little bit of guitar and but i'm, I'm mainly a drummer and so, like, when I play guitar, if I'm playing in the rhythm part, I tend to strum like the drums would be playing a little more than I would with a guitar player. Right. So I'm sure, it, right. it, like, I feel like a guitar player going to bass would be, he's going to play the bass more like a guitar, which you can tell from, you know, some of that stuff, so... Uh,
3: yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's why I always, um, you know, as a bass player, I, I could lock in with a drummer so much quicker than a guitar player yeah. because I'm trying to listen for that kick drum sure. and then the snare. And yeah. the guitar player is not necessarily listening for that. They're they're filling in the, the holes in between.
1: Oh, yeah. You know, it, it's interesting because so far, let's see, we're one, two, three, four, five, six songs into the album at this point and hate is dark. Rain is dark. Master and slave is up and down. I I think master and slave is more kiss like than just about anything on the first side, because it's that chorus, you know, that every time I see a sign, tell me what's the bottom line. I think that sounds pretty kiss like, uh, then childhood's end is a, you know, it's kind of a dark song and I will be, there's even a dark style ballad. And, and then you get to jungle. That's a dark song. And, And it's like, we don't have anything that, that just sounds like typical kiss. And I mean, that's just, and and another thing. Yeah. There's
3: no party anthems. On yes.
1: There. Lyrically. There's no party anthems. There's no, Hey, I want to go out and, you know, find me a woman anthems that, you know, in a very nice way of saying that. Um,
2: sure. i I really like how they're singing about real things. Yes. Um, yeah. Which is funny. Cause like if I Maiden did it, I'd be complaining, but that's just cause they don't do it as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's another thing that, you know, I've gotten into it with not gotten into it, but just had some interesting conversations with people because I love kiss songs that aren't always focused on that. Like, like, uh, I know, uh, Gary will know, like, if I'm talking about a song, like I've had enough into the fire from animalize, you know, you know, how many times have you given it more, given up more than you've gotten, you know, songs like King of the mountain, you know, that are just, you know, Paul, cause Paul's a, build you up and you can do it kind of guy. And and I love some of those songs, you know, compared to something like, uh, read my body or, or, um, uh, yeah, you know, take it off. let's put the X in sex or uh, all night or something like that. Um, and I, I get it that that's a lot of what you get with kiss. And I love a lot of that because sometimes they can not make it so obvious. And when it's so obvious with kiss, that's when it, it's, it's just not as it, interesting for me, but I love the realness of these lyrics. And, um, even though they say, Oh, we were just trying to be this. I'm like, like you said, it was something they had in them that they finally got out. Um, I I was pretty
3: impressed with it. I remember when it came out, just thinking, Oh my gosh, finally, you know, rock isn't dead. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there's still good music out there. You know, I was, I was getting strangled by, um, you know, there was no guitar solos anymore. And, you know, I, I needed some guitar riffs in my life, and nobody was putting it out at that time.
1: Yeah, and you know something else that I've, I that this album is is a little interesting for me is usually on a Kiss album, almost every Kiss album usually was Paul first, then Gene, then Paul, then Gene, then Paul, then Gene. You know, kind of every now and then you'd get where Paul started off like animalized with a couple of songs in a row, or and then craziness. Of course, he, you know, that was his album. But I thought this was interesting because a it starts off with a Gene vocal, which is very very rare. Then you got two Paul vocals, you know, Rain and Master and Slave. Then you got a Gene vocal. Then you got two more Paul vocals. Then you got a Gene vocal, and then you got a, a then then it's then I guess it goes back a little more normal. Then you got a Paul, then a Gene, then a then well two Genes there, two Genes toward the end, and then a Paul. So I, I just thought it was interesting that they didn't break it up to where it was. Cause Gene has five songs and Paul has six. And that's another interesting thing because this is always thought of as so much of a Gene album, you know, as far as, cause it fits Gene a lot better cause it's dark and Gene yes, has that, you know, that why. demon persona. And then, but Paul has more, more songs with vocals on it. So it's, it's there's a lot of interesting little things I find about it, but um, Kirsty, yeah. do you like the song in my head?
2: Not as much. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that it's got like this dramatic metal opening. Um, they do the Alice in Chains harmonies again. Uh-huh. And what I mean by that, it's when they sing about four steps, one sings yeah. about four steps above the other and they move up and down yeah. together.
0: Yeah.
2: It doesn't move around. Yeah. Um, you'll hear that particularly on the line Look Behind the Mask yeah. in this song. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really like the heavy bass riffs in this um but it kind of chugs along but it doesn't really go anywhere special to me okay but yeah i do enjoy it
1: what about you gary
3: well you know i love it Um, yeah it's a gene song oh yeah um, and and i like um the production on this um the whole record now interestingly this one and the iron maiden record they don't have mastering um which gives a much raw, rawer sound yeah. to the, the overall record. And this one um, I think is a really good example of that because Gene's vocals are super dry yeah, and um, you, you don't typically get that, uh, you know, a kiss is known for a lot of polish to their work and, you know, you're going to end up with a lot of reverb and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh, definitely don't have that here.
1: Oh Yeah. I, I'm going to jump a little ahead when I say this, but in my head, you know, it starts off with that. When I look into the mirror, just can't believe what do I see? Isn't that the right song? Am I thinking the right song? Yeah. Okay. And then, you know, Seduction of the Innocent uh, starts off with, Seduction of the Innocent in my head and I confess all start off with kind of gene- like uh you know, when I look into the mirror, that kind of like softer style of his vocal, all yeah. three of them are like that and I mean, I love the man's voice. I, I love the way he sounds on that um I- I- my well, he shows a lot of dynamics in his vocals where a
3: lot of times, especially in the 80s he did um, he was just screaming yeah um, yeah, like yelling the vocals.
1: But I love that line, uh, the one that Kirsty mentioned earlier, because they, they sing it a few different ways. Look behind the man, look behind the glass, look behind the mask. I love it. I love that line, too. Gary, most people, I meant to ask you this a second ago. Most people are, they have their guy in the band, right? Some of us, it's Peter. Some of us, it's Ace, Gene, Paul, whatever. As far as the originals go, as far as, well, on this album, we got Gene and Paul. I was always drawn to Gene because Gene was just this, you know, the demon. He was the dark figure that I was always drawn to. So, Gary, which guy were you? Which one was, which guy's that for you? It, it was Gene.
3: Uh, growing up, I, I wanted to be Gene. Okay. Um, you know, I would put on the makeup um, at Halloween. I don't, I'd hate to think how many times I went as versions of Gene. And uh, you know, that was my dude. Now now that I'm older and uh doing this podcast uh with the cousins, I didn't realize one, how much I respected Paul Stanley. Uh-huh. Um he really is the band. And also two, how much I like Ace. Yeah. I never realized how big of a part uh and, and how big of a fan I am of his parts in the band. Mm-hmm. I've always been a Bruce Kulick fan since day one when he landed in there. I'm like, oh my god, please don't let anything happen to this
1: guy, and yeah. just keep him around. Mm-hmm. He's perfect. Gotcha. Okay. So the next song is "It Never Goes Away," and and that's a very interesting song. It's uh, it, it I have a feeling I know where Kirsty's going to say about this one, but it kind of it's very mellow and you know paul has a couple of good yells and when he starts singing there's nothing i can do there's nothing i can say toward the end i love that one of my favorite lines in this song is or, or sections is um heartless and then they say heartless and then then you hear him kind of echo it heartless rich and greedy watch the churches rape the needy while we pray for salvation and they're singing it in that allison chain style now that cursey has got me gonna have to say that um you know I love that whole section. It's so good. It's so good. Um, it's. I'm a bigger fan of most of the Gene songs on this album because I feel like it fits him better. But as I was, you know, been as I've been listening to this, you know, during the week, I'm just like these songs. I love the songs with Paul on vocals too. Um, Kirsty, how do you feel about it? Never goes away. Yeah, I
2: really like this one as well. I'm sure. It's- that's probably what you thought I was going to say. That's not what I thought actually. I'm not a reviewer, so I've I've written down different bands when I've been writing notes. I've said this one sounds Black Sabbathy okay. at the beginning. Okay. Because it's got that doomy opening.
1: Good call. Um, yeah, I like
2: the pace of it. I I did note that there was Alison Chain's vocal harmonies again, mm-hmm. but um, I think the chorus really brightens up the grungy sound. Okay. In this song.
1: Okay. How about you, Gary.
3: Oh, I, I love it—the the, the doomy uh, sound uh, that Kirsty was talking about in the beginning. There, I I, I love it. it. It's just so foreboding yeah. the way it comes in.
1: Yeah, you know, there's another part where I I don't remember the the way that the the lyrics exactly, but it says he says, mommy believers and doomsday deceivers are driving you out of your head." You know, and he says your sanity hangs by a thread. He goes in with that yell or whatever. Oh man. Is I know I don't do it as well. I'm sure Kirsty'll let me know that later. But uh, uh, I love the. I think we all know. Yeah, we all know. But I love that a bit where it just kind of you know it's that together and then they just get, gets he gets higher and higher and, higher and higher and higher and higher and higher. You remember that, Gary? <laughs> <laughs> uh, a little bit. Yeah. Um, what, what, what was that? Is that Flaming Youth? Flaming Youth. Yeah. Okay. I believe. Yeah, we'll set the world on fire and higher and higher. Okay. Yes. Uh, the next one is Seduction of the Innocent. Kirsty, that- Which is what, what
2: pulled me into this album, wasn't yes, it? Yes,
1: so give it to us. What do you got?
2: Well, it's a bit different from the rest of the album, isn't it, though? Yeah. And I and I thought, thank goodness, because we're about ready for a bit of a change. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's quite swirly. It's got a really memorable melodic chorus. mm mm-hmm. That stays with you. I I really like all the effects on it.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I like it a lot too. Swirly. I like that. That's a a good way to describe it. It is the way, the the way it moves around. Um, Oh yeah. Keep expecting bongos or something uh, to start.
1: It is. It has that, you know, that, that don't, I know. And then that little, yep. I think it's cool too, this part, the, you know, cause there's that little guitar solo, that little weird sounding, almost grungy, like almost, eh, it's just barely a guitar solo thing. And then the, and then Bruce comes in and just starts wailing on the guitar solo. That's yes. really cool. Yeah. yeah it's yep, like he's a, a chain cutting in. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Cool. Uh, and then to me, the next song is, uh, not the same, but again with the gene similar gene style vocal, the the softer, and then the chorus. Maybe this is a little uh, Nirvana ish, Kirsty, because it, it's softer, and then the chorus is louder.
2: No, I'm I know I was going with the Beatles here.
1: <laughs> let me let Kirsty <laughs> talk first every time, Gary.
2: No, <laughs> oh, not at all. I mean, oh, the whole album's quite grungy, isn't it? But yeah, um, it's dark. Yeah, so. Yeah, it's it, but this one isn't so much. This song's not really that grungy,
1: yeah.
2: but it's heavy. Yeah. But I wouldn't call it grungy, maybe until you get to the guitar solo anyway. Um, and I think the singing on this sort of really changes that heavy feel. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's a, this is a nice song.
1: Wait, was I saying when I look into the mirror, just can't believe it What I see? Yes, I confess, isn't it? Was I saying that was a different song earlier? I don't remember. Uh, oh, yeah. I know uh, what you were. I what yeah. yeah, I messed
3: up. I like how this one in the verse part, um, it, it's kind of gloomy, and then there's this little happy part where the the key shifts into major key for a little while, yeah. and then it drops back into minor key, and then it goes into the chorus. I, I like
1: that sort of up and down kind of ride that they give you, and it's got a this. I don't know this this. Uh, uh, how do you say it? Like a keyboardish, you know, the way it starts in with, it's like a bass and almost yeah. an effect. And it's just like, boom, boom, boom. You hear the bass, like, go whoa, 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 whoa. That's
3: that r- drone. Yes. That's going on it's
1: like swirly fun. a little yeah. bit. It's a little swirly. I think that's the word I was going to use. Yep. That's what I got the written word down here. The <laughs> the
0: <blue word>. yeah.
1: <laughs> that's what I got written down here. Gary is swirly. <laughs> swirly. So, so you in the mirror, how do you like that one?
2: Yeah, I'm going to say Lenny Kravitz this time. Mm. Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty funky riff. This was a grower for me. I wasn't that into it the first time I listened to it. Um, but I don't know if that's because it was towards the end of the album and I was getting a bit tired of it. Or yeah, yeah. I don't know, but I'm really into it. Now, this is one of my favorites on the album.
1: Cool. I, I think it's the most... Yeah, it does have a funky lick. To me, it's the most Kiss-sounding song on the album if you were looking to their past. Do you agree with that, Gary, or do you no- disagree?
3: Um, it, yeah, I, I, think the, the movement of it, um, feels a little, it, it's, it doesn't have the grunge feel, it doesn't feel dark, um, you know, necessarily, um, it's not a happy song by any means, Sure. but, um, you know, it's got a, I like that when it picks up and, uh, um, it's like tat tat, you gotta take yeah. a look in the mirror. Yeah. Just, I like that feel.
2: Yeah, I think the drums are great on this.
1: Oh yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. I was about to say those little drum fills that Eric does yeah. are really good.
1: Yeah, and one there's an interesting lyric that I never knew was in the song. You know, I told you I was looking at the lyrics just to kind of reacclimate with them, and and I've never really read the because you know the the CD didn't ever come with the lyrics back in the day. Um, but there's a line in which says, "You tell me you're only scared to be lonely." on and on. And this next part, I didn't realize what he said, but I think it's kind of cool that he says it. And I think this is probably where they were at too. You living on credit, want it, you get it right or wrong. And I thought that's really cool because that's, <laughs> that's just life, man. I that's a really cool statement from kiss talking about living on credit. <laughs> you want it, you get it. <laughs> that's like their, that was their touring history. Wasn't it? They got whatever they wanted. So, and, that's and right. they were living on credit. And they
3: had to <laughs> credit it all the time. Oh you know?
1: yeah. Oh man. Yeah, I like In the Mirror too. It's 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 honestly it's usually been one of my less favorite songs on the album just because it's the most upbeat song on the album, and I kind of just loved the darkness of everything. And uh but I do it's a good song that I really like it. So um and then the last song I'm really, I'm interested to really, really, I am really interested to hear what Kirstie's going to say about this one. I walk alone. What do you think?
2: This is just so nice. It's got um, a really great beginning. Um, A lot of this guitar work seems to be played backwards, so it's Mm -hmm. something really different. Yeah. I I think, um, yeah, this has definitely been a grower, I'm going to say. Probably the first three and the last two songs are my favorites at the moment. Okay. So, yeah, this is one of them.
1: What do you think of his vocals?
2: I like them. I'm just, tris- yeah. I'm. Could you sing it a little bit for me? <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, gosh. He's like, he starts out and he's like, I know deep inside of me there's a place, yeah. but it's not plain to see that.
2: Yeah, I think that's great.
1: See, I think, uh, and I don't know, you know, sometimes when you, okay, like you hear, Bruce Dickinson talk and you hear Ozzy talk and you hear Paul Stanley talk or Gene Simmons talk, you don't hear mm-hmm. their talking voice when they sing. And I don't think yeah. Bruce has a terrible singing voice, but knowing how he sounds when he talks, when I hear him sing, it's like I, it's like he's almost talking these vocals out instead of really singing it. Does does that ring true with you, Gary?
3: I would totally agree with that. Um, Bruce is my guy. I'm never going to say a bad word about him, but, um, but you know, when it comes to his vocals, um, he's, he's, he's a guitar player. Sure. You know, he doesn't have bad vocals. um, And I think this was a great opportunity for him to be able to step out and do a song of his own. Mm -hmm. Um, His vocals sound great on this one. Yeah. I think it's, it's not something that I I want to hear a band with him as the front man
1: though. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Uh, I, and you know what I was thinking? Uh, it's the way he's singing it. And, and like you hear Paul Stanley sing, he's not singing in this really low register and Gene right. sounds different talking than in his low register. And this is Bruce's low register. And maybe that's all he really has to sing with, right. but it's, it's that it's so low. And, but I think lyrically the song is fantastic. It, you know, being yourself regardless of who yeah. likes it or not and doing what you have to do. I, mm. I really like that about it.
2: I think like vocals it's not always about being a good singer though is it? It's
1: just whatever works for you. Sure, sure,
3: sure. Yeah, it's the full package, you know, what makes a good uh, vocalist um you know or a good frontman. So there's the full package.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like someone like a Paul Stanley, if he's a guitar player, he's he can hold his own as a rhythm guitar player. He can also hold his own as a singer. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So uh and and so that's so with that, I mean, that's definitely Kiss's darkest album. I mean, I don't even think there's anything that compares. Nothing. No. Nothing. Iron Maiden has another album that is probably maybe darker than A Matter of Life and Death, but it's a Blaze Bailey album. And I I, I like blaze bailey but when it comes to maiden i'm just it's almost he wasn't the right guy and so to me i think picking the darkest album with bruce is a lot more interesting because there's so much more to draw from so it's a real change and that was the first thing we ever heard from maiden with blaze was the the x factor and so you really just thought oh it's a dark that's just them now and and with this it was like Dance of Death, the album that preceded this, definitely uh, was not the dark album. Right, Kirsty?
2: No, it wasn't. It was it was a mixture of things, but there weren't that many dark songs on it.
1: What, maybe Passchendaele? Yeah. You know, I don't know of much else that you would really say was super dark on there. Maybe Montsaguer.
2: Maybe Facing the Sun. Yeah. Montsaguer's got that happy.
1: Sure. Yeah, it does have that chorus. Yeah. So, yeah, that makes sense. But, um, a matter of life and death is for me, it's my, I, I, you know, and I'm, I'm a little, I've been going, I've been saying this is my favorite album for a good while. And Brave New World is real close because Brave New World is, is just fantastic as well. But I still go, like, as I was listening to this this week and I was just, it's the first time I've, I've pulled it out in a little while. And, oh, I was just, just so blown away with it again. And I was just like, this is just <laughs> such a fantastic album. Um, and, uh, so this time I'm gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna turn the tables here a little bit and ask, uh, Gary what he thinks first about some of these songs. So let's just, uh, we'll just kind of skim through the eye. I told Gary we weren't gonna go song by song earlier, too, Kirsty. So Kirsty's used to these curveballs, I guess, Gary. <laughs> but, um, just as you know, anything you want to say or not. say it doesn't have to be anything drawn out, but you turn on the album. Like you said, you told me you're not going to tell me what to do. You tell me not to go. You're, you're almost, it's like, almost like you told me not to do that. That's what I'm going to do. And I, I, I love that. I, when you told me that I was like, I don't know anyone else like that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know anyone like that, especially on this phone call. So, um, probably all three of us. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, well, I, yeah, I would have told Kirsty the same thing. You know, Carnival's not the album you want to start with with Kiss. Oh yeah,
3: no, I I, I absolutely wouldn't have somebody start there. Yeah, but I love that she did. Yeah. and that she liked it. Oh because yeah, it's a wonderful record. Absolutely. And, and you know, if you don't know Kiss, maybe that is a great place to start mm-hmm. because you know it, they are a different band on Carnival of Souls versus the one that they were on the debut or um, uh, Asylum. Yeah, or absolutely.
1: You know, um, so yeah. 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 It'd be like saying, you know, kind of almost like check it. Hey, yeah. You want, you're going to get into KISS. Go listen to Unmasked. That's what the one, that's where, that's where you want to start. <laughs>
3: right. You'll start with yeah. the
1: elder. That's where you want to start.
3: <laughs> yeah. No, I want you to like this man. So
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, so having said that you told me you're not going to tell me what to do. I'm starting with, A matter of life and death, which I thought was really cool because I was just like, now I'm really interested because uh, I want to see what he thinks of my favorite album. So, um, well, well, let me just say, what what are your thoughts on Kirsty's thoughts? uh, You know, with being a brand new Kiss listener for the most part, and her thoughts about Carnival. How do you feel about that?
3: Well, like I said, I'm glad that uh, she listened to it um, and enjoyed it because it really is. A wonderful record it does have some of those grunge elements um i i definitely enjoyed the um harmonies on there and i've always been a a fan of the alice and chains harmonies Mm -hmm. so you know toby bringing that he definitely brought that to the table in there because i'd never heard anything like that on any of the kiss stuff before yeah so you know there was a maturity that um came with that record (laughs) and um I can see why um, somebody would enjoy it, you know, just stumbling across it, it, it especially too, since Kirsty said that she had, um, you know, enjoyed the, the grunge music. Yeah.
1: I, I'll say this. I, I like Kirsty that you said uh, the things you were saying, like the things you pulled out, like about rain and the, 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 the even saying about the, the, the vocals being Alice in Chains style when I got that album, I mean, I was an Alice in Chains fan, but I never even thought about it. I just thought, I love the way Kiss sounds on this album. Like you said, it's a more mature sound for them. And maybe that's what they thought. Maybe they thought, wait, we're getting into a mature level. We got to we gotta figure out a way to get more immature. Let's get Ace and Peter back. <laughs> yeah. it <laughs> <laughs> uh, feels too grown up. Yeah. So, so going into A Matter of Life and Death, you turn it on, different world comes on. What do you think, Gary?
3: Well, you know, when it first comes on, it, it's doesn't sound, or, you know, I mean, it sounds like Iron Maiden, but I was immediately started listening to the guitar lick itself and the guitar tones in there. And it was really aggressive. Um, that opening track, I think it's got a lot of good energy as an opening track. Mm -hmm. I was caught off guard that, I didn't hear Steve Harris's bass out in the front because mm-hmm. normally you can hear his bass tone over top of anything that they're doing. Oh yeah. And it, it was a little, um, you don't hear a lot of bass players say you should turn the bass down, but I always felt like that in the mix, um, he was a little too much out there. So, um, I, I enjoyed the mix on a, a different worlds. Um, okay. It, it, was a, it was a different sound than I was used to
1: yeah yeah i i like the song too it's it's it as far as the album goes it it's it could be the weakest song on the album but i like the song in general i mean it's a good song it's uh it's it's the it's the most uh it's the most happy sounding song on the album by a long shot
3: yeah, the uh, chorus on there—it's probably the only one on here that has a, a happy-sounding chorus.
1: Yeah, and and almost it, it, it's almost, and I can see Iron Maiden doing this—is th- them saying, "Let's start with this one," because people are going to think when they hear that that they're getting another album like the one before it, right, Kirsty? Yes. And yeah, because um,
2: you know it could be likened a bit to "Wild Dreams," couldn't it?
1: It's a lot better song, okay. but yeah, <laughs> you know. But think about the—I never even thought about this. "Wildest Dreams," "Different World." They both start with D and W, but they just swapped. So there you go. Maybe that was on purpose. Well,
3: and <laughs>
1: <laughs> go ahead, Gary.
3: It's uh, you know Iron Maiden's not known for radio-friendly uh, music, mm-hmm. but this one is approachable, especially because of that chorus. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's very uh, you know you could sing along with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's very radio friendly. I, 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 don't know if they did, but I could hear a radio edit of this, um, you know, Oh,
1: sure. Sure. Trimmed down, you
3: know, it's, you know, for an Iron Maiden song, uh, it's uh, 418. That's
1: not very long. That's very short for Iron Maiden, especially on this album, even <laughs> it yeah, is. Uh, I'm
3: looking at it right now. It's the shortest song on yeah. here
1: by, um, um, uh, a minute i I could see them doing that though let's just put let's put something on here so people think they're getting a little bit easier album to you know to digest and then they're gonna you know this is just the uh little the, the appetizer it's just the of the meal here so it's
2: not at all representative of the rest of the album is it it is
1: not yeah so do you like this song kirsty yes very much all right all right Me too. you
2: know i would it's nice and short and does the job if I like Wildest Dreams I'm definitely gonna like this one <laughs> because this is the thing Gary I don't just like dark music I like all the feel good <laughs> songs too
1: yeah <laughs> good <laughs> the next song is These Colors Don't Run and uh, Gary these colors, uh, These Colors Don't Run starts it's quite different from the opening track what did you think of it
3: um this one felt like iron maiden. Um, it was what I was expecting. Um, the it's somewhat typical. Um, I'm not going to say it's a bad song because, um, spoiler alert, I don't think there's any bad songs on this record. Um, but if I had to pick a weak song, this would be the weakest song on the record. Um, I feel like um they regurgitated brave new world, and um especially uh, that chorus just feels like brave new worlds real.
2: It's gone very quiet, hasn't it?
3: I know like everybody. I'm just
2: going to step in here and say that i'm I agree with you, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably not my favorite on the album either. Oh my God.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I don't know if he hears us.
1: <laughs> oh boy, hold on. I got to catch my breath here. Oh my gosh. Hold on a second, guys. I'm going to. uh
2: You're right there, overreaction, Jackson.
1: <laughs> I, uh okay. Uh, I have some lyrics written down on this one. Uh, just some, because I think on this album, there's a lot of really, uh, just super strong lyrics scattered throughout the album. There are no
2: bad lyrics on the album. There's what? There's no bad lyrics on the yeah,
1: album. Yeah. And, and, but there's just, you know, songs about going into war songs about the, the, the effects of war. There's so many cool things in this song. I wrote down uh, a few little sections that I'm going to read just because uh, they're just powerful. Um, uh, there's, there's a part here. That says There is no one that will save you going down in flames. No surrender, certain death. You look it in the eye on the shores of tyranny. You crashed a human wave paying. F-, and I thought this, I, I don't know that I ever realized he was singing this line that the way he sings it paying for my freedom with your lonely unmarked graves i was like holy crap what a line that is paying for my that's freedom with your lonely unmarked graves i mean that is that's strong um i
2: yeah that's that is very powerful and um, we were probably talking about musically
1: yeah 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 i mean personally we kissed up yeah i love this song i i absolutely uh love, love this song. I think it's phenomenal. Um, there's another, um, there's another, uh, two lines or four lines that I had written down. Um, it's the chorus, uh, far away from the land of our birth. We fly a flag in some foreign earth. We sailed away like our fathers before. And this last line is the one I want to just mention. These colors don't run from cold bloody war. And, um, Hold on. You guys there? You can still hear me?
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay.
1: I I thought something (laughs) weird popped up on my screen here. So, but when he says these colors don't run from cold bloody war and I thought, you know, a lot of wars, it's, it's one country trying to, you know, big shot the other country. You know, you're not going to push us around. You're not going to, we're not going to talk this out. We're going to, it's like a fighter. I'm not going to talk this out with you. I'm going to come kick your butt. And you know, I, I, when I read that line, these colors don't run from cold bloody war. I'm like, how many, how many, um, and all deaths in a war are meaningful in a way. I mean, even though if they come in at an unmeaningful time or whatever, but I'm like, how many unnecessary deaths come from an attitude like that? These colors don't run. I'm, I'll fight you till the bitter end, you know, instead of, hey, let's just work this out. There's got to be another way. And I know we all hate war, but the countries don't hate war, but it's the, uh, it's it's the, it's the whole war pigs narrative. You know, it's the generals gathered in their masses. They're deciding everything and, you know, sending everybody else's sons to war instead of their own. And that, that line just really resonated peril with me to the poor, sir. Say again.
3: I said, they leave peril to the poor.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh yeah. So, but i really yeah i really like these colors don't run a lot and it's uh i just that that riff you know that i'm trying to think if i'm singing of the of the right song but i i know i like all these riffs in these songs it's just uh for some reason it's it's eluding uh, <laughs> some reason the the uh the riff is eluding me and um thankfully thankfully there's this thing called apple music right in front of my ears and mm. i'm going to uh put that riff in my ear just for a moment and make sure I got the right riffs here. So I can, uh, hold on. Uh, I think, hold on. Oh man, I don't know what y'all's problem is. Y'all are just, y'all are just wrong. That's fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. Uh, you know what, but that's cool. I mean, you're not saying it sucks. You just don't like it as much as I do. So, um, I think
2: it's the um, the keyboard bit in it as well,
1: but okay, that's...
2: yeah, I still I still like it.
1: Okay, that's fair enough. Yeah, I mean,
0: my, my I, I don't want to is...
2: tell you right now that um, sometimes I skip it.
1: Wow, I,
3: I I'm telling you when you, Gary if it wasn't for the chorus uh, sounding like uh, Brave New World,
1: I probably mm. wouldn't critique it. You think it sounds like the chorus of Brave New World, the song? Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. I don't hear it, but man, when
3: I, yeah, I, I think both choruses that. sound alike, is what I'm, I'm saying. Yeah, I think both choruses sound alike.
1: I was moving my arm like I was coming up to scratch my head, and I just literally stopped. I was like, I was almost frozen when you said that. I was like, what did he just say? And 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 <laughs> and something, something, Gary, that you'll learn about me. This is that when I don't agree with things, I just I get real quiet for a minute. I just kind of lay out. That's why Kirsty that knew him. better and she stepped in. She knew. Got a process. I'm sure she knew it as soon as you said it because she heard me not say anything and she probably thought, uh oh. Uh oh. So, moving on to the next song, Gary, "Brighter Than a Thousand Suns." So this
3: one, um, I think, is one of the best songs on the record. Hmm. Okay. Um, I think the the riff in it is just super heavy. It's got all of the elements of a good Maiden song. Um, the little slow part that builds up into the heavy part. And it's got what almost feels like scenes in this metal opera that they're constructing. Yeah. The way it, it grows and changes and moves. So, yeah, it's it's hands down one of my favorite songs on the record.
1: All right. Kirsty, Gary's back on track. I think he, uh, yeah, <laughs> may, maybe maybe he had been drinking a little bit or something. I'm not exactly sure what was going on there, but um, but yes, yes. What about you, yes. Kirsty?
2: One of my main reasons for occasionally skipping these colors don't run is my excitement to get to brighter than a thousand suns. My favorite song on the album.
1: That's your favorite, Sorry. yeah. I love it.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, it's got cool. that really heavy riff. It's got the unusual um, time signature. Seven four, yeah. um, and then it's got the two solos are by Adrian and Yannick. Okay, which is unusual, and um, yeah, Adrian's is really melodic, and Yannick's is really chaotic, and it just sort of seems to sum up the kind of panic. And
1: y'all know what this song's I don't about.
2: It's better solos. I yes. don't
1: know what it's, about. it's it's about um the uh, them creating a nuclear bomb. Yeah, there's a, there's a, yeah, I was reading something about it. I I wouldn't have known it if I didn't read this last night. I've heard it before, but I forgot. And one of the cool lyrics that I, that I love in this one is, you know, and he sings it pretty um, frenetically, I guess, just pretty intensely. He says, bury your morals and bury your dead, bury your head in the sand. E equals MC squared. You can relate how we made God with our hands talking about making the atomic bomb. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's pretty wild. It's pretty wild stuff, man. It's, but I love, I absolutely love, yes, this song. Uh, we did, uh, what did we do, Kirsty? The episode on the song number three that one time? Yeah. I'm pretty sure this was yep. my number one song on that one. So where was it for you, Kirsty? The, the
2: Robert that he, I'm re- um, probably number one. I hope so. Could have been. The Robert that he refers to there is uh, um, o- the physicist.
1: Yeah. Oppenheimer, physicist Robert, Robert Oppenheimer. And yeah.
2: yeah. I wished he hadn't.
1: Yeah. There's a quote from him or something that like he says, I have become death or something like that. As I've heard of
3: I something else I noticed listening to this one. Yeah. And even a little bit of a, a feel on the whole record is a tool like sound.
1: Okay. I don't know if
3: you guys listen to tool any, but
1: this song in
3: particular, the way that it starts mm-hmm. has a very tool like feel and you know, that uh, odd time signature polyrhythm kind of thing going on. Um, I, I was listening to it, um, in the background there while we were talking and I just, I love the way that those guitars and the bass are just kind of building with that feel.
1: Yeah. 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 It's this song is so good. Uh, I, I, when I when I see people talk about the album I'm surprised that it, this doesn't get more love this song in general I, I yeah, just think yeah. I think people must be overlooking the album in general if they don't because this song is Yeah, I
2: think the whole album doesn't get
1: Yeah.
2: a lot of love does it so yeah. that's why it doesn't probably get mentioned as much
1: Sure, sure. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Um Gary, what do you feel about The Pilgrim? Um
3: the uh it starts out with a very, um, what I I equate to like a classic, um, maiden kind of sound with this almost like a, a march, um, sounds very majestic, yeah, kind of uh, guitar lick, the way they started out, yeah. So that one, um, I enjoyed it, um, I, I like that kind of hearkening back to the older sound, mm-hmm. and then. It immediately, like a lot of maiden songs, goes from that into this just all-out charging explosion yes, of absolutely. energy and just just you know full bore. Um, so I enjoy that. The energy on this one is
1: is really really good. I agree, man. As it, 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 it starts out, you know with that little drum thing, and then it's that and you think, "Oh, where's this going?" And then all of a sudden, it just it that, the, that's the perfect way you said it. Charging, it's like a chart, and then Bruce, yeah. you know, he's just singing at a very it's intense. The keys of death and hell. I mean, it's just really I love that intensity. What about you, Kirsty? Bruce's voice on. This, oh yeah! My gosh! Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, it's,
2: it's nice. And it? like when you think of this album, you don't think of it having. Short songs, but here's another one. um yeah, yeah I, I really like the riff on this. It's kind of like a little bit eastern. Yeah. A little bit deep purpley for some reason. Um, yeah, it's just really, really good short track. That I think we need.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you need a short one because you're getting some longer ones here later on. Um, yeah. And the next one is the longest day, which is obviously about uh, D Day. So uh, I'm always going with Gary on everything here Kirsty. Well,
2: you should do because that's how we I went first on the Kiss ones. Oh, okay.
1: Okay. So
3: this one is, you know, Maiden loves to do the build up um in their songs. This one has such a an eerie um build up mm-hmm. and I I think the the guitar lick and that opening feeling Fits the lyrical content that we have here. You you feel sad. Mm-hmm. You, you know you feel uncomfortable when that starts playing, and you know so I, I just think it fits perfectly.
1: You're right about the buildup. Uh, I've got the lyrics in front of me, and it you know it's it's you know it starts out with the the line where he's uh, and you will know where I'm going here with a you know it's in the gloom, the gathering storm of bass, and it's kind of just a little light guitar under it, or you know electric but light. You know, and then the next set of verses, all summer's long, the drills to build the machine. The next set of verses is Overlord, your master, not your god, and he's getting, he's getting more intense every time he sings it. You know, and then it ends with the line, "A choking death, enter Hell's gates," and it goes into the pre-chorus. Oh, you know, this one sometimes I feel like the chorus makes me not like the song as much. The how long on this longest day. I think that's the only weak part of the song. The rest of the song, I think, is absolutely brilliant.
2: I think I felt like that about the chorus at, when I first started hearing it, but not anymore. Yeah, yeah. I think it just just really does tell a story. You can just absolutely imagine it.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I, that's just lyrically
2: in the way it builds.
1: But I love
3: the um, Bruce's voice, the notes, um, how long he's holding them, and the like, the clarity in that vibrato. I was just really impressed by um, Bruce's voice. You know, even though this is not like current day, this came out in what uh, 2006. Yeah. Um, still though, the the dude's got a you know an amazing voice. Has always it's like he
1: was born with you know perfect vocal cords. He sounds like an Iron Maiden fan, Kirsty, doesn't he? I
2: know, eh? <laughs> you know. Once he got past not being a fan of Bruce's style. He's, yeah. There wasn't
1: <laughs> now he loves hold it. Hold him back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wrote down two lines out of this song that, you know, talking about people going to war and kind of that, like I said, again, that war pigs mentality. Um, The first line is about the people. It says, these wretched souls puking, shaking fear. Like you can imagine just just scared to death and then it's like
2: yeah that line really stands out to me yeah
1: and then the next line is even is where the war pig line is to take a bullet for those who sent them here you know mm-hmm. just so like I said there's so many unne- it's so unnecessary the, but you know uh, but yeah I, I really 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 like this song a lot and I, I think I've gotten past that chorus thing. As I was listening to it this week, it was it didn't bother me at all. I was just like, what an, an incredible song. But if I was gonna call anything out, I would I would mention that. And and everything's dark. You know, there's nothing upbeat going on here. I mean, there's 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 some bits, but nothing long enough to make you feel like, you know, hey, we're talking, you know, we're 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 aces high or something like that, you know. So now the next song I would say. Kirsty, do we call this next song the ballad?
2: It's the ballad in terms of an Iron
3: Maiden ballad. Yes. <laughs> yeah. If
1: they do ballads. Yeah. It's it's a rare thing, but it happens every few albums. So what? Well, it's become more uh, more uh, normal in the reunion era, I guess. But uh, how do you feel about an Iron Maiden ballad here, Gary? Are
3: you? Um, uh- since you're Maiden fans, um, are you familiar with Bruce Dickinson's Tattooed Millionaire?
1: <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. Yes, we are. Oh, he's going to say no, it. Don't say, he's going to say it. Don't say unfortunately.
3: Don't I love it. that
1: record. Oh. I
3: love that record. And I feel like this could have been off of that record. There's something about his vocal quality and this song composition that reminds me of that record. I can't quite put my finger on it. I can.
1: It's called Son of a Gun. Yeah.
3: It may be. Yeah, I I haven't went back and listened to that record. um, But when I was listening to this song today, it just kind of hit me. I'm like, that could have been on Tattooed Millionaire. Mm. I don't know
1: that. Okay,
2: what's the ballad on Fear of the Dark? Wasting, wasting Love. It's similar to yeah, Wasting Love, week, too. I said it was a bit tattooed millionaire, but I didn't mean it as a compliment.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's why when he said it, I just thought he was going to say uh, that he was going to say yeah, Son of a Gun, because well, to me, Son of a Gun is pretty good.
2: respecting it. Yeah, Son of a Gun's is all right. Um, do you know any of the other Bruce Dickinson solo albums, Gary?
3: You know, I'm not as familiar with them. Um, that one... Though I it ruled my cassette deck for ages. Oh wow.
2: I'd have maybe said this would go better on um, what's the next one called? Falls to Picasso.
3: Yeah. Oh okay. I, I did have that one, but you know, I, I struggle to even conjure any of the songs on it right now.
1: Uh, you had Tears of a Dragon, of course. You had uh which have Gods of War, you had um Cyclops, Hell No. Um, what was it "Laughing in the Hiding Bush" on that one, Kirsty? I think. Yeah. Uh, then you had a yeah. uh, what's it? Uh, what's the Cowboys one? Sacred Cowboys.
2: Sacred Cowboys.
1: Yeah. Let's not talk about that. Oh, one. I like that one. It's interesting. Anyways,
3: I yeah, I'm listening to "Son of a Gun" right now, and you're right. That's the song.
1: That to me that yeah. that song is the prototype for a lot of the maiden ballads. I think even on the new album. Uh, it has a little bit of there's some stuff on the new album that could be kind of pulled back all the way to there and, and some people don't like like wasting love I think is similar on like you said on Fear of the Dark cursey Um Yep. And um what's the other one I'm thinking of? Coming home. Coming home. Uh-huh. Uh what's the song on the new album? The 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 uh
2: Darkest Hour Darkest
1: Hour, yes, thank you. Um yeah there's a lot of the songs I think that have that vibe that and there's one, what's the song, Kirsty? Is it, is it wasting love where, yeah, it is where you could basically take the intro of wasting love and son of a gun and almost interchange them. And they fit. So they fit really close together. So,
2: yeah, absolutely.
1: But yeah, I, I think son of a gun's probably the best song on that album. So, but yeah, it's a good one. Do you like, yeah,
2: there's like three or four. I really like on that album. Maybe
1: I like uh son of a gun. I like tattooed millionaire. Uh, okay, but Born in 58 is another gem. I like that. I like Born in 58. Yeah. and yeah.
2: I, liked all the, I liked All the Young Dudes a lot, but that's a cover.
1: Yeah, I didn't yeah. like that. I never liked that. Um, and No Lies. Cow, that thing has 15 tracks on it,
3: too. Uh,
1: you're, you're looking at an extended <laughs> version, then, because it only had 10. Yeah. The album only had 10. Okay. The last song was No Lies, so anything after No Lies would be... Uh,
3: oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, it's got... Uh, those
1: others uh, five but, bonus tracks. What then. is it like? One of them, like uh, the drummer. Uh, the the drummer is it? I have an Italian drummer. I'm in a band with an Italian drummer. Is that on there? No, that be that's later on. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. That's Skunkworks. No, work. that's, that's Skunkworks, Sarah. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. What else is on there? Uh,
3: Spirit of Joy, Darkness Be My Friend, Sin City, Winds of Change, and Riding with the Angels Live.
1: Sin City. I bet you that's an ACDC cover. I mean, wow. I don't know. It is. Oh, you're hearing it. Wow. I'm gonna have to check that one out. Yeah. I don't I, I can't yeah, really Bruce's vocals on A C D C are pretty good. I'll have to hear that. <laughs> I have to check that out because I haven't <laughs> really he doesn't seem like he would fit that well for A C D C Yeah
2: he doesn't often do very well when he's covering other bands.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm... I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the next song we have is The Reincarnation of Benjamin Brig, which has a really did you read any of the uh, of the history behind that song while you were looking at all this stuff, Gary?
3: I didn't. I was going to lean on you to fill me in. I felt with, like with a name like that, there has to be a story.
1: Do you remember? Do you be. remember how this all happened, uh, Kirsty?
2: Um, I wasn't really following it at the time, so I I didn't. I didn't know about it until much later.
1: Yeah, this is what I read about. I was because I was reading about the album a little bit yesterday too and I wasn't around for this, but I heard that the build-up for Benjamin Brig was very similar to the build-up for Senjutsu, like it was really yeah. well done. But they had the name, they released the names of the songs, right? And the, one of the songs was called The Reincarnation of Benjamin Brig. They made a they made a website and it was supposed to be one of that Benjamin uh, someone had found a picture of Benjamin Briege who had, had fought in a war and died long or had disappeared long ago in his, in like his grandmother's photo album. And there was only a couple pictures and no one knew what happened to him. And the guy's looking for him. And so people start trying to figure out who the, who's Benjamin Briege and they're doing searches for Benjamin Briege, you know, drumming up interest obviously in Benjamin Briege. And there's a song about Benjamin Briege on the Iron Maiden album. So they're looking and looking and, and they said that basically they created this character. It was a totally fake person, just drum interest. But there was a thing where they said supposedly that this relative had found somebody that had information about Benjamin Brigg. And they said he was going to find out everything on a certain day. And the day he was going to find it out was the day they released the single for Benjamin Brigg. And they just kind of came out and said that it was a made up story just to, you know drum interest in the song or whatever, which I thought was kind of cool in a way. Uh, I love it. Yeah. It's it's, it's it's
3: like the war of the worlds approach yes. uh, to a record release. Yeah, it
1: was really neat. And they did, they did a lot of the same type of stuff with Senjutsu, the new album. They, it was a very, it was really a fun thing to go through with a band because it's, it, it's so hard to do now in the internet age, you know, to, to yeah. make a surprise for anybody. But uh, what do you think about the song?
3: I, this is a, a perfect iron maiden song
1: Mm
0: -hmm.
3: and i say it from a writing standpoint but also from a production standpoint Mm -hmm. um i think uh steve harris's bass is in line with the mix um it's got all of the you know perfect elements of a, a maiden song with that slow uh build up of the slow you know um melodic uh growing feeling and then that guitar lick when it kicks in is just beautiful Mm,
1: yeah that's like just a big chunky riff yeah oh yeah that's that's an adrian riff right kirsty
2: it's dave murray
1: is it yeah okay that that because to me when i hear that riff it sounds like something adrian would play
2: It this um this song's written by Dave Murray and Steve Harris.
1: But I think that first riff that comes in But yeah. if he's
2: given if he's given Adrian the riff then
1: I think the intro is well, Dave Murray, like one? real Dave Murray.
2: Yeah, definitely. And
1: then the riff with like, yeah. that bow. Bum, ba, bah, nah, nah, nah. That to me that just sounds so Adrian. Or H. Adrian. Sounds like so H. That's Adrian's uh nickname, right?
2: H? Yes, it's short for Adrian. <laughs>
1: So, only the real fans know that, Gary. We're letting you in on a secret here. (laughs) Ah, I'm in the inner circle now. You're in the inner circle now. Kirsty, do you like? Yeah, you'll be
3: stalking him in no time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you'll. Trust me, if you need pointers, Kirsty can give you all you need to know. (laughs) (laughs) Kirsty, do you like the reincarnation of Benjamin Brigg?
2: Yes, very much. It would probably be maybe my second favorite song in the album i just absolutely love this heavy riff
1: oh yeah ha- and uh, that's cool anything else
2: i don't know i've gone a bit blank actually
1: okay here let me give you some lyrics uh just just to kind of maybe give you the idea of the song uh
2: yeah no I, I can i can hear this song in my head right now
1: okay let, let me ask you a question gary maybe she has something did you ever watch the twilight zone the, the old tv oh, show yes. You, you remember the one, and I think it was the guy from, um, maybe it wasn't, but there was a character, and he's in he's in war, he's in a battle, and he can look at guys' faces, and he can tell that they're not going to come back alive, they're going to die. Oh, yeah,
3: he can tell that they're not going to die, yes. Yeah, there's a,
1: there's a line in this song where he just says, you know, why should these curses be laid upon me? Um, you know, uh, I, I, there's a line, it's, it's, he says, I'm able, there's a line, he says, I'm able to see things things i don't want to see the lies of the lives of a thousand souls souls—weigh heavy down on me and when i hear that it always makes me think of that twilight zone episode where he can you know he's i'm able to see things things i don't want to see i've always yeah. I, I doubt it has anything to do with that but it, i've always thought that it reminded me of that twilight zone episode well there was something else, else i wanted to say about it yeah
2: the um the video for this song is really cool um it's kind of like the video for Wasted Years, if anyone's seen that. So it goes back, mm-hmm. showing little clips of them in the past, uh-huh. but it's just done in like a really moody kind of way.
1: Um, am I an Iron Maiden fan anymore, Kirsty? If I say I've never seen that video, well,
2: if you haven't seen the video, <laughs> no. well, when you got the I'm CD, not... it came with a DVD, didn't it, as well? I maybe do you not get it on CD.
1: You know, I have it on CD right here behind me.
2: Come with a bonus DVD.
1: Uh, it says, no, this is the little box thing that they, it comes with a figure. It doesn't, but I have seen the um, the making of it. I've watched that on YouTube before. I've watched the YouTube thing, the making of the album, okay. which is really cool.
2: Yeah. So, so it was that and the Benjamin Brieg video, I believe.
1: The Different World video is really cool with them singing it, doing it in the studio. So that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, I love this song too, and this song to me does not feel like a seven minute song. No, it feels much quicker than that. But I guess because once that riff kicks in, you almost it, it makes you it almost makes you forget that the whole first couple of minutes of the song was there. It, it's just it's incredible. That riff is, and it's a it's a great Dave Murray written song. I mean, just like you said, I I, I, I didn't realize that he had written it because I wouldn't I don't have this have it written down. But but yeah, that's definitely. Dave Murray starting with the soft intro and the nice long little thing that goes on at the beginning. Really cool.
2: It's funny. It doesn't feel like it feels really short though. It's seven minutes and some songs feel (laughs) really long.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like
2: even brighter than a thousand suns, much as I love it, it's got one verse too many. If I had to call anything out and they do that quite a lot.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, there's, there's not really there's one song in this on this album that has, I think it's it might be the next song, yeah. Uh, yep, has five, six, six verses. Uh, for the greater good of God, I think they're all warranted. I don't, I, I never get tired of this song going, but uh, we already know what we think about it, Kirstie. What does Gary think about for the greater good of God?
3: So for me, um, I think this is. Um, of the best on the record. Um, it's another one that kind of reminds me of a tool song.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, it also kind of reminds me of this song uh, me and some of my buddies uh, wrote years ago, um, somewhere around in the early 2000s. So maybe that's another reason why I like it so much. It sounds, um, uh, I'd uh, I was working at a university in West Virginia and this, um, student from, um, Bulgaria showed up in my office one day and he's like, Hey, I, I heard you play guitar. And, um, next thing I know he's over at my house and we're just jamming mm-hmm. and uh, this, this guy could play, man. And he was into all of these, um, You know, bands that i had never heard of. You know, he was a lot younger than I was and had access to a lot of these European bands that I'd never heard of. So, um, but yeah, this sounds like some of the stuff we were playing. So I I really enjoyed it.
1: That's really cool. That's really cool. Um, This is the only song I've ever heard off of this album played live. And man, it was fantastic. They, they played it on their uh, Legacy of the Beast, the last, the last show I got to go to, and I didn't know it was coming. And oh, I just, I lost it, man. It was so cool to hear it live. But this is one, like I said, with six verses in it. And Kirsty, do you love this song?
2: I do love this song. Uh, it comes across really well live. The lyrics are good, but yeah, it's just a little bit too long. Okay,
1: okay, that's that's fair. Um, this is one that I have a lot of lyrics written down for because there's a lot of interesting lyrics in here that I just I have to bring up just because I love insightful lyrics. I'm, I'm the biggest dummy on the planet. You know, I'm, I'm goofy all the time. I, I, I don't take anything seriously. My wife totally doesn't get my personality and that I love lyrics like this, that I love the seriousness of this. And I'm like, this is where I get my serious fix is. You know some of this music so and it's okay i'll just read some of these lyrics they're just fantastic uh and dark again dark everything here is dark um and i love <laughs> i love the dark mm. i'm like uh what's that uh typo negative like you know how like when he talks about she she likes the dark <laughs> that's me <laughs> i like the dark um but let me read some lyrics uh this is more pain and misery in the history of mankind. Sometimes it seems more like the blind leading the blind. It brings upon us more of famine, death, and war. You know, religion has a lot to answer for. Uh, the chorus, you know, or I guess I don't know if you call this the chorus or the pre chorus, but Kirsty, let me ask you. Do you think the chorus is for the greater good of God or the please tell me now what life is part? Which one of those do you think is the chorus? This
2: is a complicated song, isn't it? Um, I would say <laughs> the chorus is for the greater good of God. But this pre-chorus, if it is a pre-chorus, mm-hmm. the chorus comes after it then. Yeah. Because he says again, tell me what life is, and then he just goes back into a verse.
1: Right, but then eventually uh, he gets, he does it like that. has
2: got the, an unusual way of structuring Yeah,
1: things. yeah. Because when I was reading it, it was calling that, the please tell me now what life is it was calling that the chorus. And I was like, to me for the greater good of God is the chorus. And you just have a, a lot of buildup to the chorus, mm. you know, it's just anticipation for it. So, um, but the, but the pre-chorus here, please tell me now what life is. Please tell me now. what li-. I think of a, of a soldier thinking this, tell me now what life is. Tell me now what love is. Well, tell me now what war is again. Tell me what life is. Um, Another powerful uh, lyric. Uh, as they search to find the bodies in the sand, they find its acid. At, they <laughs> they find its ashes that are scattered across the land. And as the spirits seem, as the spirits seem to whistle in the on the wind, a shot is fired somewhere. Another war begins, and all because of it. You'd think that we would learn but still the body, but still the body count, the city fires burn somewhere. There's someone dying in a foreign land. Meanwhile, the world is crying stupidity of man. And that is so true. So true. just, just when you think something else can't happen, you know, (laughs) something else, you know, a shot is fired somewhere. Another war begins. It's just amazing. But those are pat- it is super powerful. Pat-
2: but then they do say for the greater good of God, 16 times.
1: <laughs> uh, I, you know what? He sounds fantastic saying it though. He's It's a great, it's a great.
2: Yeah. You're not wrong.
1: Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> as long as we agree on that. He says it a lot, but you know, yeah. a lot of a great thing is still a great thing. <laughs> so, um, now we're getting to the closing two songs here. And, uh, this is to me, this, these last three songs are like, I think for the greater good of God, Lord of light and legacy is one of the best three song pieces that they have on any album. But, uh, Gary, Lord of light. What do you think?
3: So it's, um, initially when I was listening to this record, I didn't care for it as much. Mm -hmm. And I think it was because I was getting tired by the time I got to this point in the record, because some of the songs are kind of long. Sure. So what I found myself doing um, today, when I wanted to go back and, and take notes on it, I was doing other things and I would listen to a song or two while I was taking notes. And when I was just listening to Lord Light. I actually wrote down uh, this is a really strong song, and I would have actually swapped it out for um, maybe "These Colors Don't Bleed" or <laughs> you know, uh, I, I would have moved it up higher in the record. I'm not saying I would have cut "These Colors Don't Bleed," run, I just say run. I feel like "Lord of Light" is such a such a strong song, you know. I, I think I'd have moved it higher in the in the mix.
1: These colors don't run. Just FYI.
3: <laughs> or, oh yeah, right. I want
1: to make sure you say it right there, just so you don't, you know, you don't go back and have Ray trying to harass you about it or something. So you had a little blunder.
3: Oh, Ray! Would, can't imagine poor Ray Raymond doing that. <laughs>
1: yeah, uh, yeah. This this song's fantastic for me. Uh, I I do have a lyric I want to read, but Kirsty, what do you think about it?
2: You know, I'm absolutely with Gary because I was um, in a car journey once that finished when for the greater good of god finished
0: Mm -hmm.
2: and i thought oh this album's just perfect that's a perfect length and sometimes i would get a bit tired and i didn't quite notice how good lord blight was at first yeah but it is just incredible (laughs) and it's it's got a really unusual solo in it as well it just keeps going higher and higher
1: okay okay
2: Um, but yeah like it, it kind of starts off really quiet and mysterious yeah and then you hear that again, like the same thing in a verse, but it sounds different.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. So it
2: sounds builds really well. It's it's just um, yeah, probably not that well placed.
1: Mm, I don't know. I've I,
2: oh, I just got no attention span.
1: I, you know, it's it's what he said, is it's a really long album. I think the album is what, is it uh seventy-three minutes or show?
2: Seventy-one minutes, fifty-three seconds. Okay,
1: so seventy-one minutes and set roughly almost 17, so pretty of,
2: much 72. Yeah.
1: Almost 17 of those minutes are after for the greater good of God. The last two songs are like 17 minutes long total together. So mm. it is, it, yeah. it is long, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's almost like you need a little bit of a break just for a second.
3: Well, you got two, uh, two of the longest or the longest uh, two songs are, you know, for the greater good of God and the legacy.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: So yeah, it's, it does kind of wear you down.
0: Yeah. Um,
3: yeah. And that, that sounds like a, you know, a criticism, but it, it's one of those things. You almost, you, you need to digest it in, in takes or something. Sure. Sometimes. Sure.
1: I can understand that. I can absolutely understand that. Yeah. It's, I love this song though. Yeah. It's a, it's,
3: I wonder how it would have felt watching this live though, watching them perform it because it, I, I think it might've feel different watching it happen. Uh, You know, seeing this energy uh, play out on stage. I I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it would have feel, I don't think it would feel as long or like, I I don't, I can't imagine that I would be there thinking, I wish they would just hurry up and wrap up.
1: Yeah. 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 (laughs) You know, know, they did get some grief over playing this live and, and I can, I love this album, but realistically I can imagine just, Cause anyone's like, if you're a fan of Iron Maiden and they show up in your town, let's say you were a, well, I think I told you on your podcast, we like to refer to him as classic era fans that, Hey, we like everything that came out, you know, from like 82 to 88, whatever. And everything after that's just whatever. And you got fa- a lot of fans like that, that are going to just be doing whatever. And then they go, Hey, look, Iron Maiden's coming to town. Let's go see him you know, they don't know that it's an album tour. They don't know anything. They just know that Iron Maiden's coming to town. Yeah. Then they show up and the first 72 minutes is songs they've never heard before. Now, as yeah. a seasoned Iron Maiden fan, like Kirsty said earlier, you know that they're going to be doing an album tour. Don't go if you don't want to hear songs from the new album. But a lot of people, if they're just kind of like, oh, look, Iron Maiden's coming. Let's go see him, man. I loved Iron Maiden back in the day. I, I can understand how someone could go to that show and, you know, you hear the first couple of songs and you're like, okay, but then next thing you know, you're 45 minutes into the show and you're sort of like, golly, when are they going to play something like two minutes to midnight or the trooper, right. you know?
2: Yeah. And, and there was no Facebook or Twitter. Yeah. In 2006.
1: You know? And, yeah. So you would have no there idea.
2: There was a really good chance you wouldn't know that it was going to happen.
3: Yeah. 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 I think I would have been really upset because.
1: Exactly. You know, when are they going to play Wasted Years? That,
3: you know, <laughs> Exactly. I would have been so upset if I had went and not heard any of my favorite songs. Um, I know uh, I went and saw uh, Primus several years ago, and um, they were it was one of the anniversaries for Sailing the Seas of Cheese. Uh And what they did, they did two sets. And the first set was the um, record in its entirety. Mm -hmm. Or no, I take that back then they did the first set was a variety of things. Mm -hmm. And then the second set was selling the season cheese in its entirety. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was kind of cool because the fairweather fans could come to the first set. And if you're hardcore, you're going to stick around for that second set. You're watching that record in its entirety and all of its weirdness.
1: Oh yeah. 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 I mean, there's, there's, there's obviously lots of ways that they could have done it and, and, you know, but I I would love in hindsight I would love to have seen that tour just for that and sure that's the only album from the new era that you know two thousand forward that they do not have a live album out for like that tour and that's interesting you know I, I think yeah they had a night where they lost power it, they did two nights there people think they might have been going to record that I don't know but I'm hoping that what how many years was it? Kirsty? was it 20 years before they released the number of the beast show live <laughs> on the box set or whatever. Yes,
2: Yeah. It was pretty, it was quite a long time. So
1: I'm hoping, you know, that maybe yeah, in the next few okay. years, we'll get this one eventually. Cause I've seen bootlegs. That's
2: the attitude, Steve.
1: Huh? That's the attitude. Oh yeah. Keep hope alive. You know. I mean, yep. and if not, there's, there's, there's a few really good bootlegs. I've watched a couple of, you know, bootlegs on it where they just play the whole thing. And it's just, it's just cool to watch and listen to it. So, but, um, what one line that I wrote down out of Lord of light, that I just thought was a really cool line reading. It was revenge is living in the past time to look into a new millennium. I just thought that's a really cool line. That's a very, um, learned line, you know, a very smart line, educated line that, you know, you'd expect to get from an old guy. Hey, revenge is living in the past. Get over it. Time to look into a new millennium. But so that brings us to the closing song here, uh, the legacy. And um, so you've 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 made it this far into the album, Gary. You've you've heard everything. You've you've went through your uh, little bit of fatigue, you know, maybe with Lord of Light. You get to the legacy. You've listened to it enough times, at least, to have some kind of opinion here. So after. Fatigue wears off. What do you think of the legacy?
3: So on this one, there's uh, several parts to the song and I love the parts in the beginning that sound very, um, almost cinematic. Mm-hmm. And there's these huge, I think they're suspended chords or something that just sound monstrous. And then it's da, 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 dun, da, mm-hmm. da. Oh yeah. They're just, it's just huge, you know. And I like that. And then all of a sudden, a little further down the road, about two thirds of the way in there, there's this weird break where it sounds like Tony Iommi steps in, and there's this Sabbath-like lick going on. Yeah. And then it the the song just totally changes. So uh, I, I thought this was a, a really great way to close the song, the record out. You know, they left on a really really good high note.
1: Absolutely, man. That's a great take on it. What about you, Kirsty?
2: it took me a really long time to get into this one, even though, um i see everyone saying how great it was. Yeah. And it's just got lots of different sections, hasn't it? And um Yeah. I think maybe I didn't think they all went together well at first. And I thought the um intro that's about three minutes long was too long. Yeah. And then and then long. it sort of really kind of all came together to me for me and really grew and um and i think it's amazing so
1: yeah but it's- yeah i think it's it's not a song that i used to turn on and, and i mean i never got tired of it or, or or didn't like it but it's not a song that when i would listen to it i would go man this is my favorite song on the album it's just it's a lot to it there's a lot to digest on that song but man when you just it, you take everything this this song is like a um to go back to Seventh Son, it's almost like the title track of Seventh Son. It's like everything in the whole album is in this one song as well, and I just I absolutely love this song. And like like Gary said, you know, it starts off with that that little stuff, and then there's that banana banana, and then it goes right back to the dun 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 that little thing that they're doing, and and then it finally kicks in with that. That, i've never thought of it as a sabbathy riff but you're right gary that's uh it's really cool man it's yeah. such a great song and
2: i just feel like it's really different to anything else they've done
1: mm-hmm. it it does even though
2: it- like, like in the future we'd we'd go on to hear little bits of it in songs in the future sure. um at that time it wasn't like anything else they'd done
3: yeah, yeah. I thought it felt very different the way that um, that break um, kind of happens, and you know, they're they're often known for having lots of different pieces to their songs, but this one felt different in a good way.
1: Yeah. Well, you said earlier, Gary, that uh, you made a comment about the way it was constructed in in almost like like a classical piece. Did you say? Like cinematic uh,
3: yeah. is what it felt like to me. It was very grand, you know, this whole buildup, yeah. and it is a really long intro. Yeah. Um, I would have scaled the song down, uh, made it a little more radio friendly, <laughs> but um, you know, it is—it's—it's it's so cool the way that it it progresses and goes into those pieces, and they, they still revisit that um, intro part a few times yeah. later on. So yeah,
1: it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I like that. It's one thing that I've always liked about, that I discovered that I really enjoyed about Iron Maiden was when you listen to a a, a song sometimes, and it, it's a, one of these really long ones, like a nine minute piece or something, or an eleven minute piece. The, the songs, they'll just go off on a musical journey. It feels like, and I always felt like they give this, they they allow the song time to breathe and kind of figure out where it wants to go. Like, as opposed to just going, you know, some of their old stuff was a lot more, you could get a a, a total epic in in a six-minute song back in the day. And now it's like they give it just, they allow it to just go wherever it wants to go. Like, it almost has a life of its own, the song. And I know that's not totally accurate. I know that it's all formulated, calculated, and everything. But um, I love that they do that. And this song kind of gets to go everywhere. And it's, it's a... It's like the finishing touches of a masterpiece of an album is the way I look at it. It's just, it's perfect. And um, I have a lot of, ly- uh, two th- two little things and two big sections of lyrics that I wanted to read real quick here. Um, one line I liked was uh, just sent off to a war to play little games. I'm just like, that. that's the, old, the again, the whole war pigs thing. You know that that yeah. the, they're they're like playing a little game. It's just a game for these people because, well, we need fifty thousand more troops there. Do it, you know, kind of deal. And um, another line that I love is, as strange as it sounds, death knows no bounds. I think that's such a a, a cryptic, cool line. Um, and then at the end of the song, there's two big pieces, and I think that that encapsulates the album like so well. It's and I'll read through them. Um, not quickly, but I'll read through them as quickly as I can without uh, taking advantage of them there. <laughs> um, it said, we seem destined to live in fear and some that would say Armageddon is near, but where there's a life while there's hope that man won't self-destruct. Why can't we treat our fellow men with more respect and a shake of their hands? But anger and loathing is rife. The death on all sides is becoming a way of life. We live in an uncertain world. Fear, understanding, fear, understanding, and ignorance is leading to death. That's such a powerful line right there. Fear, understanding, and ignorance is leading to death. Wow. Um, Only the corpses are left for vultures that prey on their bones. And then it's, but some are just not wanting peace. Their whole life is death and misery. The only thing that they know, fight fire with fire. Life is cheap. But if they do stop to think that man is teetering right on the brink, but do you think that they care? They benefit from death and pain and despair. And then that whole section after that, just the guitars that, you know, that they're doing a I I, I can't imitate it, but it's just a real quick, like, dual guitar thing that they're doing together. Maybe three of them. Oh, it's fantastic. And and those lines, there's so much. Like when I read that stuff and I'm like, Steve Harris just was above and beyond on some of these lyrics, man. Incredible, incredible, just powerful, like lyrics. I, That's I, 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 amazing. I, I absolutely adore this song. Sorry.
2: <laughs> oh, they are amazing lyrics. Yeah. You know, it's a great section of the song. Oh,
1: I love it. I love it. And, and sometimes, you know, sometimes you could listen to an album and even if you don't think everything is as top-notch, if an album ends so strong, it makes you think so much more of it. And I like everything on the album, but man, this ending is just so, so strong. Such a strong close. They have a lot of strong closers. Yeah. We got to rank them one day, Kirsty.
2: <laughs> I'm sure we will. <laughs>
1: yeah, you're right. You're right. When I told Kirstie we
2: were going to start
1: on it now. Yeah, exactly. When I told Kirsty we were going to do this episode, she said, I think this episode is going to be a first for me. And I was like, What, the first one you don't have to rank something on? <laughs> she said, Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. She goes, Because, yeah, cause so she asked do, what to over on our Just podcast.
2: listen to stuff and enjoy it without having to decide whether it's better than another song on the album. Yeah, that's what she said.
1: She yeah. said, Do I have to rank the songs? <laughs> I said, I don't know.
2: I think I said I don't have to rank them, do I? Yeah, there Which you is go. It's like a leading question.
1: Yeah. So <laughs>
2: like, don't make me. So I want
1: to ask both of you two questions. Uh, for uh, for Kirsty, the two questions are this, and then Gary, it's the same question for you, except Iron Maiden. So so two questions, Kirsty. What is your favorite song on the Carnival of Souls album? And the second question is going to be. Where do you see yourself going with Kiss? And the same question for you, Gary, with Iron Maiden. So, Kirsty, you first.
2: Uh, I think my favorite song at the minute might be Rain on this album. And I see myself going to listen to this one. Did you say it was called Destroyer?
1: That's the one that Gary likes. Revenge is the album before this one.
2: Yeah, so I see myself going and looking towards them. And hopefully seeing KISS live in September.
1: Mm-hmm. Excellent, excellent. Now, Gary, real quick, what what one album would you recommend to her if you were going to recommend any KISS album to her based on what you know now? Well, since,
3: yeah, since she likes Carnival of Souls, I, I think Revenge is a natural um, progression. And, and I would approach the band and I would do it in reverse chronological order. That way you get to you don't make such a stark (laughs) jump. Like you were saying, um, you know, if you go from Bruce Kulik all the way back to uh, the first uh, debut, it's, it's kind of jarring, but if you just did it in reverse chronological order, I I think you could enjoy the songs and uh, see, you know, how the band got where it's at.
1: Yeah. My, my recommendation, I I like that, except that I think, Revenge is just way too over the top lyrically. That's the one album, like I think it's musically fantastic, but lyrically it's just that there's no, you know, it's just, it's just too in your face with a lot of the sexual lyrics. I would recommend personally because of Carnival of Souls being a dark album. I think the closest thing you can get to this dark album is Creatures of the Night. It's another heavy album and it's pretty dark in a way. So.
2: Okay. Well, I'm pretty sure I'll find time for Both, if not all of them.
1: All right, and no, you have to. (laughs) So, so Gary, your favorite song, and where do you see your journey with Maiden going from here?
3: Um, Right now, uh, I'm I'm torn between three songs, um, calling my favorite Um, uh, "Brighter Than a Thousand Suns," "The Pilgrim," and um, "The." for the uh, greater good of God. Okay. Those are my three favorites right now. If I had to just pick one immediately right now, I'd probably be the pilgrim.
1: Okay, cool. Cool. That's a good one. And, uh, where do you see yourself going now? You know, I, I am torn
3: because part of me wants to just go back and listen to everything in order. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know it won't be jarring because i'm used to the the other things uh and then there's part of me that wants to just um belly up to the bar with some blaze bailey i i have actually never listened to a song
1: knowingly at least um from the that era okay it's it's a it's a stark change i mean that the x factor a lot of people like it there's people that love it i mean they think it's fan it's a super dark album because there was a lot of Okay, like, what are all the dark thing? what are all the things that were going on? You know, Steve Harris is going through a divorce. Uh, Bruce
2: Dickinson's left the band. Bruce
1: Dickinson left the band. Yeah.
2: Um, Everyone's gotten an Instagram.
1: Yeah, the music styles have changed. Uh,
2: the fans have dropped them. Um,
1: the label. So yeah. Cat- they,
2: I mean, no, they were, they were going downhill anyway, a little bit in popularity. Sure. Probably. Yeah. Before Bruce had even gone.
1: They also yeah. lost Martin Birch. But- producer he had produced everything from killers through uh fear of the dark um i think there's something else in there too but um you know and plus
2: i would really recommend the x factor though if you like dark music like sign of the cross 2 a.m blood on the world's hands
1: well that's what i was going to ask you Kirsty, if you were going to recommend one.
2: anything on? yeah well i I'd, I'd recommend that i guess
1: interesting and no, no, no. Tell him not to listen to it because that way he will say, I don't go listen to the X Factor <laughs> next. <laughs>
3: You're not the boss of me. Exactly. <laughs> you
1: can't tell me what to do. Don't,
2: don't listen to Fear of the Dark next.
1: Time. Oh, God. Yeah, that's that's some sound advice there, Gary. I mean it. Oh. Yeah, I mean it. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. That needs to be well, the name I think of the song. I'm podcast. like those
2: fans that like Fear of the Dark best because I'm liking some Kiss. But it's not like Kiss is normal music. Yeah. And that it's like the people who are just into straight ahead rock and they only like Fear of the Dark. Yeah. I'm feeling like I can appreciate where they're coming from more.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I don't really have a Fear of the Dark unless it's that album Fear of the Dark, then I have a fear of the album Fear of the Dark. <laughs> it's uh it's interesting. Well you know what? He likes he liked Tattooed Millionaire, so he might love Fear of the Dark. <laughs>
2: Oh yeah,
1: that's true. That's a, that. that
2: there, you, there you go. There you go. Yeah, I
3: enjoyed
1: that. But um, now, Kirstie, I just just you know that 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 Gary is new here, so you're the closing is all you today, okay? Okay. Just so you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to say this. Uh, in closing, uh, I want to say, Gary, I appreciate you taking the time to come on with us and and have this chat. I, as a fan of both of these bands, I've been loving every minute of this. Thank you, Gary.
3: Oh, this has been a good conversation. I appreciate y'all having me on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, Kirstie, of course, always thankful for you to come on as well.
2: It was a pleasure and it was nice to meet you, Gary.
1: Yeah. yeah. Nice meeting you. So on behalf of myself, on behalf of the, not only the smartest, but the best looking hosts of the asylum tales from the Devereaux diaries podcast, Gary, on behalf of the official
2: translator and historian
1: of Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone, Kirsty.
2: On behalf of Kiss, on behalf of Iron Maiden, from Eddie, and from the boys.
4: always look on the light side of life if life seems jolly rotten there's something you've forgotten and that's to laugh and smile and dance and sing when you're feeling in the dumps do be silly chumps just purse your lips and whistle that's the thing hey. is quite absurd, and death's the final word. You must always face the curtain with a bow. Forget about your scene, give the audience a grin, enjoy it, it's your last chance anyhow. So always look on the bright side of
0: death.
4: <whistles> just before you draw your
1: Where were we at, Kirsty? We've just
2: finished. We've just finished wildest dreams. No.
1: No. A different world. <laughs>
2: different world. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Let's finish with about different
1: world. Yeah. At least I'm not the only one that makes ready, mistakes yeah. there. Calling wildest dreams, uh, calling different world really wildest dreams sense. is like calling you Ray, Gary. It's it's pretty insulting. <laughs> wildest dreams, uh, in my personal opinion. He
2: thinks wildest dreams is a turd. Um, I will always defend it, even though I know it's not. Yeah,
1: it's top it's tier. the opening song on the prior album, and we ranked the openers, and it's me and Matt both ranked it dead last. It's the worst Iron Maiden opener, so
2: I didn't rank uh. it last.
1: Oh, that's the episode Ray was on, right? Yeah, because he didn't. He had it way up, but he had it. He didn't have it. He didn't have it at the bottom, did he, Kirsty? Or he have it at sixteen?
2: No, because he didn't know that. He was supposed to. He just went by whether he liked it or not.
1: Mm, yeah, I guess, yeah. He's mm,
2: he hadn't been like swayed by your talk.
1: <laughs> I try to bring I try to spread good good news and cheer, so that's all, you know. <laughs> <laughs>